Can you be quiet, please? Thank you. The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. There's local politics, bud. I don't care about the weather. I can't control the weather. Don't want to talk about the weather. Do we not agree? Sustained effort and violence. It can be a total goat rodeo. Cool, neat story. Was that supposed to be funny? This is why nobody else can get on the sug boat. You know what? We couldn't get on the sug boat. It's a test. What's the point of kissing his ass if we can't get on the sug boat? It's a test. Y'all are haters and non-believers. Sug, sug. Now live from the Pirate Radio Studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. Hello and welcome to Pirate Radio Live here on a Tuesday. Hope you and yours are doing well. Welcome into the program. Clip Brock here. Got Shirley Rhodes, CJ Schaefer, Chandler Honeycutt here in the Pirate Radio studios and a big show on tap on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. We're on 1250, 930. We are available online, PR927FM.com. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live and on YouTube. And we'll be monitoring the chats there if you have anything to say, want to chime in with a question comment concern birthday anniversary um and robert is already in and he's asking a question about a guest we're going to have on the show in about 10 or 15 minutes or so uh, because we do have some ecu baseball announcer news uh that came out earlier today that we will get to momentarily also uh, and we got uh, we got some birthdays to talk about. We'll talk to the birthday boy coming up at around 325 on the show today. Cy Seymour, always in a good mood. Got to be in a good mood today uh, because it's his birthday. Not in a good mood because the Pirates are coming off a blowout loss to Houston. But we will talk Pirate hoops and more with Cy Seymour coming up later on this hour. The big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau, will join us at 4 o'clock to talk about tonight's slate of games. We'll look down the Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard and see what's coming up tonight. A lot of top 25 action. If you're a night owl and enjoy top uh, 10 basketball, you can see Arizona and UCLA tonight, late night, 11 o'clock tip-off, two top 10 teams going at it. Duke in action tonight. We'll go over the slate of games and talk some NFL with Jeff Nadeau coming up at 4 o'clock. At around 425, we will talk to Clayton Truder. He's got a, a book coming out and uh, we will discuss that with clayton and the title of that book is loserville and uh what is loserville about uh it's about how professional sports remade atlanta and how atlanta remade professional sports uh by the way the braves are not losers they are world champions uh but we'll talk about that book and more with clayton truder who joins us coming up in hour number two. Stephen Igo hoist the colors. We'll be hoisting them in hour three of today's show. So that and a lot more on the way uh, coming up on today's program. John Moody is tuned in, and he's heading to Raleigh for his first ever Carolina Hurricanes game. Nice. John, I know you will enjoy that. You will become an instant Kaniac because those games live are a whole lot of fun. So enjoy your first ever canes game um chandler said john moody would be a if i was looking for a guest idea get john on the show yeah i was trying to get john on the show <laughs> because uh he won listener he was working hard 
during the snow days. Yeah, there was a couple of times this weekend that I saw him in a snowplow. Yeah, uh, making sure everything was good to go on campus. And at least uh, I thought that was John Moody. Well, he was uh, he was posting pictures online about how he and the uh, folks over there were making sure the areas were clear on campus and around campus. So and, they, and they did a good job. Thank you uh, to John Moody for that. All right, uh, first up today. It's a big birthday day. As I mentioned, Cy Seymour coming up. Also, uh, P1 listener, uh, lovable loser Chad Moore celebrating a birthday today. And I know he won last week, but his Titans lost, so he's still a big, giant loser. Um, some other birthdays today. Happy 40th to Alicia Keys. I'm, I'm a big fan of She's the She's just now turning 40? Just now. Uh, Michelle McCool who I want to say, a uh, former WWE wrestler, is that the wife of The, the Undertaker? Undertaker, yes. Okay. Uh, the Undertaker's wife. I'm glad you wife. knew that. <laughs> yeah, that's a piece of trivia for you. Um, and also, happy birthday to Stink. 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 Hooba Stink? No, not Hooba <laughs> not Stink. Ah. Stink, Mark Schlereth, known for uh, winning Super Bowls with the Redskins and Broncos, and now an uh, analyst on television but we're gonna sing uh happy birthday to p1 listener chad and to Cy seymour right now so is everybody voices cleared and ready to go <clears throat> now when we get to the part where we say the name should we say chad and Cy, or should we go church style and just say god bless you <laughs> <laughs> which is nice but happy i used birthday, to always kind of be god bless you always kind of bummed out when it was my birthday in church and they wouldn't say my name <laughs> yeah i appreciate the sentiment of god blessing me you don't but know me i kind of like the name recognition say though. my name <laughs> say my name so i say we go happy birthday chad and si we'll go alphabetical order okay everybody good that, on that? that works with me all right here we go surely you're away from your mic are you participating yes yeah, sure go you ahead count us in all right here we go <clears throat> <clears throat> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Jet Oxide. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. That was electric. Happy birthday to everyone celebrating a birthday on this day. All right, uh, let's get to our rundown today. And first up, we have an announcement. We have an announcement about the an announcer. Announcer? An announcer. Announcer? <laughs> announcer announcement. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't have an announcement about an announcement about a about an announcement. Like, we're going to announce the announcer. Yeah, uh, Scooter, our buddy, Scott Rogers, is, awesome. is uh, has been announced the play-by-play voice for ECU Baseball. If you are from this area, if you're a Pirate Radio listener, you are familiar with Scooter. Done a lot of uh, PA over at ECU. Also, keeping up with the scoreboard, the clock uh just field, about everything field management everything he does over there at elm street park with greenville little league so scooter uh and, and a young guy but an old name around these parts and uh we're going to talk to him in a moment but he will be taking over the play-by-play duties 
for uh, Corey Glore, who is off to Tulane, of course, and will be handling East Carolina baseball in 2022. Robert says, I wonder if Scott will say hello as good as Corey Glore did. I'm going to say no. That is an old folksy Midwest hello from Corey Glore. I think Scooter's going to have a different way to... Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Hey, y'all. Howdy. What's up? Hey, how are you and them doing? It's opening day here at Clark LeClaire Stadium. <laughs> uh, he is not that country. No. Um, Josh says, what's up, Captain Clippy? Huge congrats to Scooter on the big news today. And uh, also, uh, we will talk to Scooter coming up in about 10 minutes or so. So, uh, yeah, we wish him the best. And he will uh, be taking over some, some big shoes to fill in Corey Glory, but we'll be working alongside coach o dr gary overton we'll get scooter's thoughts on that in just a few minutes but as you said chandler we're uh, we're happy for scott yeah he's an awesome scott. guy and i'm gonna say it he's a good kid and i can say that because he's still technically a kid he is a good kid he's a good kid he's an awesome guy to be around he he has joined us on one of the watch alongs that we did i believe it was the um the uh, aac tournament game game one against ucf didn't go well did not go well but a friend of the watch along and uh, a great friend to all of us here and i'm glad that they kept it inside the ecu family family Family. so really not that much to adjust to when it comes to the area when it comes to ecu baseball and the environment that it brings for scott because he grew up going to games and so i'm sure he'll he'll tell that to us when we talk to him later on so glad to have scott scooter rogers as the voice of ecu baseball glad chad was uh listening uh, i assume he was listening he uh types in so. i'm a man i'm 40 and uh robert has a good question what is troy thinking about getting them for their birthdays <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure a lot of thoughts a lot of thoughts right now for Cy. lots of thoughts for chad for alicia keys for michelle mccool and for Mark Schlereth. So just Look, he's in there right now thinking about it. He's, he's on his phone looking it up so he can think about it and not get it. Sending out some positive thoughts uh, to all the birthday folks out there today. All right. Um, what's next on our rundown, Chandler? I don't remember what I told you. Positive Panthers news, which hey, I don't think this is positive. I mean, it- finally, some good news for Panthers fans. What are you shaking your head for? What is it? We're going to suck. It doesn't matter who they bring in there. Well, you could. I guess they can go down to the the level that we're at right now. Do you want to be the only team that sucks, or would you like to have some more teams? Now you can fight for who's the worst. People can join us if they want to, but it's still going to be the the losers club. Well, maybe Loserville. Well, now you won't be lonely. How many games did you win against New Orleans this year? One, one and one. Next year you could win two. That's another win. That's one step closer to relevancy. Yeah. The news today. And I'm seeing different words used here. I'm seeing step down. Like right now, we're seeing on the screen Saints coach Sean Painting. Peyton is step, uh, stepping down. Gosh, a, a painting, a, a painting, a, a, a painting. Yeah, I've seen stepping down. I've seen. I've seen retired. Yeah, I've seen retired. Well, well. My question I've was I've seen is he fire done? and rain. I've seen sunny days I thought would never end. Good job. Me and Chandler saw Hooba Stank. <laughs> <laughs> we saw the stank. <laughs> the stank. I saw the light. Uh, I was blinded by the light. So is he done with coaching football? I no, don't, I don't think so. I don't be. either. Which is why I question when I see the the R word there instead of the stepping down words. I think he was just frustrated with this Saints team and how much he has to 
how much stress he has to go through just to try to sniff the wild card right now. Does that have anything to do with him loving uh, Taysom Hill? <laughs> I mean, did he? How much did he cause his own issues there in New Orleans? That's true. If Jameis is there, they make the playoffs. If he's yep. healthy, yep. Fact. 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 Do Fact. We, do we not agree? Uh. Do we not agree? Sean Payton has been there for your football watching life, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he's been there 16 years. Mm-hmm. Is that what I saw? 15, 16 years yep. as the head coach for the Saints? Yep. Um, so, I don't know. There's plenty of still – there's still open vacancies uh, in the NFL right now. So, wondering where he'll go uh, in the NFL and who's going to take his spot. In he's going to go to a place that currently doesn't have a vacancy. Jerry Jones wants him some glory hole. Glory hole. And one way to do that. I want me some glory hole. Is to get rid of the bumbling idiot Mike McCarthy and bring in Sean Painting. Proven winner. Painting. He's going to be painting a glory hole for the glory hole days. <laughs> He's going to be painting a pretty picture there. I want me some glory hole. In Jerry world. <laughs> uh, I saw it talk, talking about um, Mike McCarthy. Uh there, there was a video yesterday, you probably remember this, where he threw a challenge flag and they were already going to challenge it, so it was a 15-yard penalty. I just laughed at it thinking about you calling him like a bumbling idiot. He's a doofus. He is a doofus. This is when he was in Green Bay. I don't know if you remember that. I can't remember what game it was. Maybe it was a playoff game or something. But he just throws, he chunks that that challenge flag as hard as he can with pride. They were already going to go challenge the, the play anyway, so it cost them 15 yards. And, by, and, you know, who am I to call people bumbling idiots and doofuses? I'm saying this as a sports fan and as a In fan terms of, sports. of Washington and as a hater of the Cowboys. And all in that regard, Mike McCarthy is a big, giant, bumbling idiot doofus. Do we not agree? <laughs> Do we not agree? Uh, now, Sean Payton in Dallas is something I think could be a possibility. I also, and we'll talk to Igo later on in the show, how about Sean Payton? What did you say earlier uh, connecting him to the person I'm about to bring up? Oh, he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild? He doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild, Chandler. Mm-hmm. Who else doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild? Aaron Rodgers. They bum, bum, bum. get together in a holy unity and pick a team go there and try to win a super bowl super bowl what do you think about that what about the raiders that is a possibility steelers will take Derek carr because they do have now wait wait i mean obviously you need a you need a general manager first but are you saying he goes there and works with carr no. You're oh, saying so he and you're, Rogers you're, go there? Yes, that's what oh. I was... You, you were talking about that kind of mesh, the conglomerate. What a move the Steelers could pull off here, though, CJ. Sean Payton, you want to come be the offensive coordinator? Would you rather have... Oh, yeah, you have a coach. Never mind. Could it be, We're good on could coaches. Could it be the Bears? You're out of this conversation. <laughs> could it be the Bears? Could he bring... That's why I brought up the Raiders. They right. need could, a coach. They need a quarterback. Can, yeah. he, can he go to the Bears and take over... Because I think they're about to finalize a deal with a new GM. He has the same name as the old GM. I know. Ryan po- uh, was it Ryan Pace, now to Ryan Pose. <laughs> like, I think it's the same guy. They just switched around a few letters. I noticed that, too, when I when I saw the name. 
And he's like an assistant director of player personnel for the Chiefs, I believe. His name is Ryan Poles. Poles. So I'm pretty you, sure that's you go just from Ryan, Ryan Pace. You go from Ryan Pace to Ryan Poles. So Ryan Poles can bring in Sean Payton. Can bring in. You really Eric. do call him Sean Payton, don't you? Yeah, like, it was a joke, <laughs> but you really do can't say Payton. Nah, it's it's a country thing. But anyway, you bring in Aaron Rodgers. Clip, you're not country. To, I guess not. I'll you, kiss your ass. <laughs> if I ain't country, <laughs> you can kiss my ass. But you can bring in Aaron Rodgers to mold Justin Fields. Oh yeah, there's nothing more Aaron Rodgers loves more than to mold a young quarterback. He loves young quarterbacks, don't he? <laughs> That's right down him and Brett Favre's alley. He learned from the best when it came to totally ignoring who uh, the other quarterbacks in the so room. So what what do the Saints do now? You've got Suck. no quarterback after last year, no head coach now. They're about to be $75 million over the cap. Oof. What do you do now? Yeah, they are in some trouble, which is why this is good news for the Panthers. Yeah, it's great news. We have a partner in the bottom of the barrel. You've got several parts. The Falcons are down there. The Bucks run is coming to an end in 2024-ish. All of these old guys they've brought in on these contracts, they're about, like, if I'm the Panthers right now, I'm excited looking around the rest of the I, I'm the starting division. to get excited right now. Oh, my God. To your point, <laughs> you've done nothing to get better, but you have kind of just sat in the weeds and waited for everybody for around For everybody you. to join us. Yeah. We are the start of the new nfc east we will be the new nfc east that's bold what does that mean where our losing record will make the playoffs and win the division why are you okay well first of all y'all literally did that a few years ago yeah, but y'all took over that we want that back we want that title back but 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 but, but. the panthers won seven games and won the division right yeah not did. that long ago yeah seven eight and one actually it's a ron rivera thing Yes, <laughs> there's the the one exactly. connection between. Now the is your two. problem? Club. <laughs> uh yeah, I guess. I uh, uh, don't see a lot of Rogers to Washington, unfortunately. But now this just opens up so many possibilities. What are the Saints going to do? Peyton's going to take a spot, which is going to have a coach either fired or fill a spot. So the cold coaching carousel will roll on. And what does this mean for the quarterback carousel? Does Russell Wilson want to maybe join Sean Payton and get away from Seattle? Hmm. Again, the Aaron Rodgers possibility. So uh, this was this was huge news today. And you're right, CJ. The Saints are a mess. That old division is a mess outside of Brady, which again is coming to an end very, very soon. So there is the latest. Any other NFL news and notes? uh i think that's all we got for we did today. hit on one which was uh ryan pace changing his name and being rehired as the gm for the bears i think he changed his race as well he just got a complete makeover yeah gm makeover bears edition pace the polls there's old people in the bears like they won't ownership. notice they won't notice they don't know they have no idea <laughs> he went out <laughs> the old people in the ownership for the bears are clueless right now they're like they think this is a whole different guy what a let's see let me let me make yeah he went out ryan pace left the room he did a good job he did (laughs) he went uh he did blackface came back in yeah yeah can't do that i I mean he did it you just wait till he gets caught that's gonna be one (laughs) 
hell of a headline. And those 85-year-old Bears owners didn't know it was the same guy they were talking to. And he forgot to come up with a new name. So he said, what's your name? And he said, Ryan. Uh, um, and then he looks over and sees a few poles. And there's a, fishing, poles. There's a uh, fishing pole in the corner. <laughs> yeah. And he says, poles. Yeah. My name uh, is Ryan, Ryan Poles. You sound a lot like someone we know. <laughs> uh, for the head coach, I want to bring in uh, Mark Nargi, a uh, guy I know. <laughs> and there's a quarterback on the free agent market named Michael draburski <laughs> that i really like they should just do run it back just run it all back together bay rutler <laughs> he's retired they can always bring him back sean payton might bring him out of retirement all right so uh there's that uh the canes in action tonight john moody john moody will be play. present hornets play tonight on the buccaneer music hall scoreboard presented by dub buck buck what'd you say this is leg one of a back-to-back yep tonight and tomorrow night yeah i know but it's been weird though lately i don't think the hornets have had that many back-to-back games ever since we were complaining about it the last time but this is a big one because you're at toronto tonight facing the raptors and tomorrow night you got to head to indiana to face the pacers i mean you'd need to obviously win one of these but these are games if these weren't back-to-back i would say you could win both of them yeah hornets coming off of a very magic ish game where they had a great win on the road at in in boston um and then come home to lose to the atlanta hawks who were five games below 500 uh and you know you faced that earlier in the year just a couple weeks ago when they beat the defending champs twice in three days and then they lose to probably one of the worst if not the worst nba team in the league so inconsistent but a fun young team that's all gordon hayward's stat today um should we consider it we could consider it we i'm not reaching over uh the hornets are 50 and 39 in the 89 games gordon hayward has played in the 30 games he has not played nine and 21 wow and a lot of those games were late last season that is a big stat to consider when they had like a playoff spot wrapped up and they were gonna be at at either on the road or at home in one of those like the play-in, play-in tournament games, games. yeah mm-hmm. and they just kept losing and losing and finally got the last spot got blown out and found themselves in an arena that they'll be in tomorrow night the and pacers all of that happened with gordon hayward we didn't really even know what was wrong with him i don't want to call out a guy because i don't know how hurt he is he but, went missing yeah he kind of went missing but that stat says they're a lot better with him in the lineup so and he's played pretty good this year yep can't deny that all right let's get to scooter the man of the hour scott rogers hello the new play-by-play voice for ecu baseball he joins us after the announcement was made on social media earlier today and scooter congratulations man how you doing thank you clip doing great uh you've i've said this before when we've had you on the show you have done a lot of cool stuff in your young life. Uh, had a lot of cool gigs, a lot of cool titles, but play-by-play voice for ECU baseball. That's a uh, that's a cool one to have on the business card, right, Scooter? It is. It's uh, it's really unbelievable that I've got this gig. Um, you know, it was kind of fell into my lap about a week ago, and uh, you know, I can't thank Learfield and I can't thank ECU athletics enough for this opportunity. 
And, you know, Corey Glore out, goes to Tulane. Corey was an outsider that became a part of the Pirate family, and we certainly miss him. And now you're you're already on the inside. You are, you know, a Pirate family. So you, you understand uh, ECU baseball. You know the history. You know what Cliff Godwin has built here in his time at East Carolina. So uh, I think you're, you're the right man for the job when it comes to knowing what ECU baseball is all about. Right, and I think that's one thing that has that helped me through the process of getting this job. And, you know, it's like you said with Corey coming in from the outside and kind of becoming part of the ECU family, it's going to be tough to take over for Corey because Corey did such a great job in the time he was here, and the fan base loved Corey so much. But uh, but I'm excited. I'm really excited for this gig and uh, can't wait for February to come around. And uh, the Pirates will be playing a challenging schedule. Scott Rogers will be on the call for those games for the upcoming 2022 ECU baseball season. You hang around with legends every day uh, with RV and, and Weingarts and those guys. And how about you get to uh, to call some games with the legend, Dr. Gary Overton? That's pretty cool too, right, Scooter? It's very cool. We were joking uh, last week. I told Coach O that uh, – He's kind of the Marvin Jarman of ECU athletics. He's been around forever, and uh, there's really not a better person you could have by your side on a broadcast than Coach Joe with his knowledge of ECU baseball throughout the years, not only ECU baseball, ECU athletics in general. And a lot of people know you, know your name, or at least uh, have heard you here on Pirate Radio or, or doing PA or, or somewhere, but for those that don't know you, Scooter, you know how when's the first? How long ago did you go to uh, your first ECU baseball game? How old were you when you first went to uh, Clark and Claire? The first ECU baseball game I remember, I went with my mother and her best friend from high school. Her son was actually playing for Campbell, um, and we went and saw him play. And I believe I was either five or six years <laughs> old, but that's really my my first memory of an ECU baseball game. That was. Uh, I don't know if you remember the name, Justin Phillips, who played at Rhodes. Yep, played, yeah. played, played Little League here in Greenville. Um, but her and my, his mom and my mom were best friends growing up and still friends to this day. So I kind of, that was really my first memory of ECU baseball. So about five or six, and I've been uh, every year since then, I can imagine. And uh, also been uh, a part of the left field crew, the megaphone crew as well, Scooter. So you have that insight on the game as well. So you'll have a, you'll have a new perspective on it. Uh, but you've been in that, that booth before, uh, doing PA, running scoreboards. So uh, you're, you're no stranger to, to what goes on up there, right? That's right. You know, being up there, and like I said, that's one thing I think that helped me get this was having so many of those connections up there already, knowing how stuff's run throughout the game up there in the press box, and not just in baseball, with basketball too, because I've been working at the basketball scores table since 2018, and I think that also helped me get this. Um, but it's, it's really a, it's unbelievable to me. I still can't believe this. And, uh, Scooter, you know, it's tough to, to call a game, a baseball game, but the most difficult part, I think, of being the play-by-play voice of ECU baseball is your uh, one-on-one interviews with Cliff Godwin. Are you prepared for those throughout the season? <laughs> I uh, had about a five-minute conversation with Cliff yesterday at uh, Media Day, and that was the first thing he said was, uh, don't go too hard on me. On <laughs> but uh, I think it's going to be the other way around, but we'll see, Scooter. <laughs> that's right. Um, but <laughs> I am glad that I get to talk to Cliff before the game and not after the game. Good point. Um, but but, uh, but Coach Godwin, you know, he welcomed me with open arms yesterday at Media Day, and uh, – 
it really shows you what he has built as a culture and a family atmosphere yeah. throughout that Eastview Baseball Clubhouse, and I can't wait to be a, officially a part of it. Yes, sir, a part of the family. Scooter Rogers joining us today. Uh, congratulations, uh, Scooter, man. We wish you uh, the best of luck. Look forward to talking some ECU baseball with you here on Pirate Radio this season. Yes, sir. Thank you, Cliff. All right, there he is, the uh, man of the hour, Scott Rogers. We know him affectionately as Scooter the new play-by-play voice for ECU Baseball joining us today on Pirate Radio Live. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll talk to uh, the birthday boy, Cy Seymour. I uh, I didn't watch ECU in Houston. Call me fair weather. Call me what you will. Fair-weathered idiot! I just had no fair Fair-weather idiot! All right. I didn't actually mean call me that. I was just saying you could, hypothetically. Uh, I'm a dork. I had no interest in watching that one uh, when it got away from the Pirates the other day. Cy Seymour will tell us what happened and also, I'm sure, calm the nerves of Pirate Nation as East Carolina gets set to take on Memphis coming up Thursday night back home on Sunday. We'll talk Pirate Hoops and more when we return. Cy Seymour joins us after this. You're listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by University PC Care, your local tech support experts for all your personal and business needs. Visit universitypccare.com to learn more today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Are you in outside sales and looking for an opportunity to increase your earning potential? CopyPro has been in Eastern North Carolina for over 45 years and continues to grow each year, and they are in need of more sales professionals with a desire to potentially make a six-figure income. Do you have what it takes? Visit CopyPro.net today to submit your resume and to learn more. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here is your host, Clip Brock. All right, back with you here on Pirate Radio Live on a Tuesday. Thank you, Chandler. That's why you're here. The human calendar, they call you. Yeah, they everywhere I go. <laughs> uh, by the you're way, not that guy, pal. Trust me, you're not that guy. Speaking of nicknames, Mister Six and O came here, just walked in the door, wearing his Marlins hat. Intern Jalen, but CJ also went Six and O Wild Card Weekend. He is Senor Six and O. So Senor, Senor. Mister, good to see you guys. Uh, I I I think I tied for the best record divisional uh, weekend with two and two. Because it was a tough one, Jeff, especially on Saturday with those road teams winning. The two and two boys, two and two. Jalen also CJ? says he went two and two. Um, I went one and three. Uh, with your one win being Chiefs, Rams, Ram tough. Yeah, I picked the. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I've. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you threw me off my uh, train of thought. Oh, so I was Ram tough. <laughs> Do you think I expected to hear that? <laughs> I guess not. Ram tough. That really tickled him. <laughs> he is tickled. <laughs> I'm tickled. All right, I tell you what. You gather yourself. Oh, I'm your gathered thoughts. now. No, you you need to take a segment to just you, relax. Yeah. Take a deep breath. While I talk to Cy Seymour. How about that? What, hey, clips. guys, don't say Ram tough in front of CJ. <laughs> say, he can't handle it. FedEx tough outside right there. He can't handle it. All right, let's, uh, let's head out to the Pirate Radio live line kind of put this off as long as i could we gotta talk pirate hoops uh, and we'll do it with si seymour color analyst for home games 
on ESPN Plus this season for ECU basketball. Cy, appreciate your time. Uh, happy birthday. How you doing, man? Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a good birthday. It's the big 7-0. Man. Yeah, I'm just glad to be here. You know, it's one of those things. You are the youngest, spryest 70-year-old, uh, Cy, walking the earth today. Well, thank you for that. I enjoy every minute of it. I hope I keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Cy, uh, man, I, we'll, we'll start with with ECU hoops. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how you explain getting down by twenty by nineteen and coming back and winning, and then the next game getting up by twenty and losing the game, and then go out and lose by forty. I, I don't know how you explain any of this stuff. I guess you could say it's just sports. It's basketball, but. What a roller coaster the Pirates have been on uh, these last few games. No doubt about it. And, and, you know, in a way, that's what college basketball has been like this year. It is really – now, these, those are extremes, but North Carolina getting beat by 20 in the same week twice. You know, I mean, my point is that I think the portal has made a lot of difference. I think some nights kids that have not played together all of a sudden, they, you know, and now they're – beginning to get together things go one way somebody's out of the game it makes a big difference in your ball club but i'm gonna tell you this the one thing is constant the cougars can play houston is yeah. a solid basketball team and look I, we've been in these kind of games at least two other times where they beat ECU like a drum uh in, you know like 18 and 19 they they beat ecu uh i, I remember going over to uh, texas southern's gym because they were working on the redo of the uh, Houston Cougars gymnasium or the Coliseum, we got beat like a drum one Sunday afternoon. I mean, and and my point is, they can do this team. They 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 are just a special team. And when they get it rolling, and listen, this is without his top two guards. I mean, they're not in there for Sasser. That company is not there for the year, but they just keep reloading and getting better. So it's a good Houston team now. Listen, was ECU a step slow in every position? Yes. They have a tough night shooting? Yes. But do not take away how good Houston is. They're, they are a top 8, 10 team, maybe top 5, maybe final 4, but they're, they're that good. Depends on, you know, it depends on the matchups is what happens then. Clip. So, and, and when you see a score like that, especially coming off a game where you had penciled in as a win because you're up by 20 and you lose that lead to UCF, you, you worry – from looking in from the outside that you know is this how you you lose a team is this how you lose a season like everything downhill from here and i don't think that's going to happen side but kind of you know when, when you look at the outside looking in you, you start to worry uh I, I know you know him joe dooley and this team you're probably not concerned about that but how do you you rally the troops after these last two results for ecu you know Clip, and every coach in the month of february wonders can i keep them together right. if you're not undefeated and not winning every game every coach says this game is critical just to hold them together and then if you lose that game you have to highlight the points that are good to keep them together that's that's in any program anywhere joe dooley will not have any trouble keeping them together it's because because joe's, joe's a worker and he he knows how to coach them and and get them ready can the kids stay focused enough to give you their best every night out? You certainly hope so. And these kids have played well. Uh, they ran into a buzzsaw in Houston. And, I, and I'm, I really think when you're talking about one possession, 
In other words, the game went overtime. So if you'd have had one more stop in regulation, you, you know, you win that game regulation. You don't go overtime. And you lost Suggs at the 16-minute mark, and he is a 6'6 defender that can guard the shooters on the perimeter, and you lost him, and you didn't have J.J. You didn't have any, any perimeter defender that's that tall. And all it takes is one or two shots, and that's what happened, and you end up losing that ball game. So it, that was just a tough injury. And, and, and look, you, coaches will tell you, now you can't blame it on injuries. You've got to play through it. But in, in games that are that close, those, those things can really affect how they come out. Cy Seymour joining us. Cy will be on the call on Sunday when East Carolina plays at home against Cincinnati. He'll be watching. Uh, I guess you can stay up for this one late night on Thursday night and watch it on TV. Cy, you going to be up for a 9 o'clock tip-off yeah. on Thursday? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, we will not be doing the game. It'll be ESPN either you, I think. Oh, okay. You so enjoy it. It's going to be a good one, but I think it's on, on a regular ESPN network game. Well, that'll be three in a row for ECU because they are on regular uh, on Thursday night as well when they take on Memphis, trying to beat the Tigers for the second time this season. You talk about some adversity and and uh, and and some folks upset. Penny Hardaway kind of lost it a little bit after a, a post game press conference. He was tired of, of being asked about his depleted team, and uh, they were able to get a win over Tulsa side by two points in their most recent game. So they were uh, back to their winning ways, but struggled to do it. So you still got a Memphis team that, that's a bit on the ropes, and then East Carolina's going to come out, uh, you would think, ready to go after what happened to them last time out. Should be a, a pretty good game Thursday night. I think it'll be a really good game. The funniest thing about to me in all this is uh, Memphis has lost six straight times at Tulsa. So think of what I just said. Six straight years, they've not beat Tulsa. Now, if you want to talk about a team that you're saying and shaking your head, Tulsa is 0-6 in the league. Or they're over. It may be, I think they're 0-6. But my, what I'm saying is that's a team that lost to Houston at the buzzer and then lost it. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's sitting there shaking his head, Frank Hayes at, at, at Tulsa, because his ball club is good, but he's lost. He's over. He's over in the conference. Yeah, you look at in other like NFL and stuff. You look at points for points against. Their margin of defeat is is probably inside of five points in the league, isn't it, Si? Oh yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, they just have a tremendous program, and I think that I, I believe they're zero and six, and what yeah. And I'm just saying. Those are two teams that were that are always really good, and, and they can end up good. I'm not saying that. But can you hold them together to get this? That's going to be the question mark. And, and uh, that's what I say about this league. When you're looking at those two schools who really have great basketball tradition and history, and they've not won a conference game yet, that is really hard. That's like what we're talking about a different year. That's a different year. Cy Seymour joining us on the Pirate Radio Live Line. Cy, how about the new number one in the nation, Auburn? Uh, Bruce Pearl down there with the SEC. And we're seeing a bit of a, uh, a, a renaissance in the SEC when it comes to basketball. Of course, Kentucky, always good. But Tennessee, LSU in the top 25. Alabama and Arkansas going into the year were top 25 teams. And they're on the outside looking in right now, but still pretty good basketball teams. Old Steve Rockefeller. Texas A&M, they're four and two in the league. Uh, the SEC side, I uh, hadn't even mentioned Florida. Uh, a, a really good basketball conference, top to bottom, with Auburn at the top right now. Yeah, it, that's the other puzzling thing. You know, in our backyard, the Atlantic Coast is struggling. Yeah, I mean they yep. just are. 
and and the SEC has taken over. And of course, I'll tell you, the Big Twelve is just brutal. Yeah, I'm telling you, you go into a game every night out in that league, and always the Big East is going to be good. But you're right, the surprise league and the surprise team to me is Auburn. And give great credit to Bruce Bruce Pearl. He's got that. He's got them excited in the state of Alabama about basketball. Now you think about that one. Yeah. That's big because it always was UAB. It was never about Alabama or Auburn. It was always UAB. In the old days, uh, they were the team in that in that in that state. And now here's Auburn, and number one in the country. Bruce Pearl has done a magnificent job. Cy Seymour joining us uh, coming up tonight. Top twenty-five action. Clemson will be at Duke. Another big game in the Big Twelve. Baylor uh, taking on Kansas State, who has kind of had one of those Tulsa years where they are. Uh, losing games, but by a very narrow margin. Number one, Auburn is on the road at Missouri tonight. And how about, and Sal, si, we kind of lose sight of this during football season and certainly in basketball as well. Uh, we got a top 10 matchup in the Pac-12 tonight. It's a 11 o'clock tip-off, number three, Arizona versus number seven, UCLA. So a great night of college basketball action coming up tonight. You, Arizona has really just slowly stepped right in and, and, and doing a tremendous job. UCLA, Cronin's done a good job with them, and, and uh, it's good to see the Pac-10 where they should be. They should have teams in the, in, in the business of being in the top 20 and 25 in basketball. It's too many athletes on the West Coast for those teams not to be viable. Cy, uh, great night of hoops, coming off a great weekend of football, and I talked to you before we went on the air, and I'm, uh, I'm a little younger than you, Cy. It's the best playoff weekend I can recall and you and all your football watching years said the same thing, right? You don't remember a weekend like we just had in the NFL playoffs. You know, I'm telling you, Clip, I, I can go back, really, and I'm not kidding you, when I was young, uh, I, I can go back to Y.E. Tittle. I mean, I, you know, I can go back to, to you, know, you name them, Fran Tarkington, uh, Sonny Jurgensen when he was with Philadelphia and then the Redskins. I mean, I, my point is I've never seen a weekend like we just saw. That was the they were the greatest games for a spectator to watch. And 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 I felt so sorry for look, I, I don't have a dog in it, so I'm watching. I felt so sorry for those teams that did not that did not win. I felt sorry for Buffalo because of the playoff the way it's the format. They didn't even get to touch the ball yeah. in the overtime. Now give credit Kansas City, they didn't let them touch it. But it, for that quarterback who is unbelievable to not get a shot. It just it is unbelievable. But the games themselves, they were a treat. All these teams were a treat to watch. And it just reminds you, Si, if you don't have a, a QB. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners, they did it with defense and special teams. But if you don't have a QB, you are left behind. And uh, and we, we've seen that following our Washington team. And other. Uh, there's a lot of other teams in the league that can commiserate with that. Exactly. I mean, when you look... At the, those games on this weekend, all of my, all of those guys had upper tier quarterbacks, with the exception of San Francisco. Give them credit; they must have they've got a great coaching staff, and they do a lot of good things extremely well. But think about what it took. It took a blocked punt to beat them. Yeah, you know to beat to beat Green Bay. It took a miss uh, was well blocked. It was a couple of things, two two special teams things that beat them. Uh, I really thought that Green Bay had the best chance of any of them to win because they do have a great quarterback, and the quarterback situation was questionable for for uh, for 
San Francisco. Yeah. Well, here we are now. It'll be Rams uh, taking on the Niners, uh, NFC West matchup, and then you got the upstart Bengals trying to pull off the upset with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all the highlights they can provide, Si, taking on the Chiefs. So, man, there, there's no way they could follow it up with an even better weekend this weekend, but I hope we do get some good games on Sunday. You know, I do too. And, I, and I'm, you know, Cincinnati's an athletic town. They love athletic, you know, they love contests. This has got to be the best thing for them since the Big Red Machine. I mean, they've <laughs> yeah. got to be so excited to see this young quarterback doing work. You know, and, and, and they are a curve, and they get it done. They are just a treat to watch. But you said it right. It's been fun. Whoever wins, these teams are really just playing lights out, and it should be a great weekend. Cy Seymour, uh, got to have better things to do on your birthday than talk to me, Cy, so we're going to let you run. What's uh What's your birthday meal, Si? What's uh, what's your go-to meal if you had the choice? Well, you know, I would like you know to go out and probably get a good steak is what I would like yeah. to do. I don't do it as often as I used to. I, I probably don't eat a steak once a month or once a, once every three months. But I probably like to have that. But I don't know. We may just sit home, watch ball games, make it easy. <laughs> there you go. The truth is, I'm just glad I have another birthday. And listen, this is a good thing. I enjoy talking to you because you love sports like I do. And we love the Pirates and a big game on Thursday night. Let's hope that Joe Dooley can get his team uh, get back on track and play solid. It's hard on the road. Play solid and get back to where you can be, uh, where you're in games. Houston is just a different kind of program. They're yeah. on top of the world right now. Well, Si, I'm, I'm expecting a uh, a much better performance and a much better ball game coming up on Thursday night. Then the Pirates return home Sunday at noon, a big one against Cincinnati. So we are in the that tough part of the schedule and uh, a lot of great opponents coming up, especially this week. Si, we always appreciate your time, man. Thank you for joining us. Have a great birthday evening, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. See you later, buddy. Take care of yourself here. All right, there is Cy Seymour, the birthday boy, joining us today on Pirate Radio Live. We'll take a timeout, come back, wrap up hour number one. We'll have a uh, geography lesson with Chandler Honeycutt. His mind is blown. We'll tell you why when we return after this. You're listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by University PC Care, your local tech support experts for all your personal and business needs. Visit universitypccare.com to learn more today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. For the latest breaking news, interesting stories, and awesome contests that can make you a winner, be sure to follow Pirate Radio on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PR927FM. You can join the close to 51,000 followers today. And speaking of contests, Clip, I, for, I forgot to tell you this before the show, so I'm going to say it now. For our booty bag today. Yes. We are going to do, uh, we're doing this on Facebook Live. Okay. And uh, you need to comment and tag three friends for two for Tuesday. Okay. So, today's uh, booty bag prize is uh, a large two-topping pizza from Domino's. So, if you're the winner, you can choose one of your three friends uh, to get a pizza as well. Does that make sense? 
So I don't what, know if I have any idea what I just said. What do people need to do on Facebook Live? Comment. Okay. Um, comment and tag three friends. All right. So in the Facebook Live chat of today's show. Yes. Tag three friends. Get them to like the Pirate Radio uh, page. And you will be entered into our drawing. Yes. In the five o'clock hour. Yes, that is correct. All right. You have your instructions. Yes. Facebook Live. Do it. Run, do it now. Right do it now. now. Do it now. All right. Uh, right Chandler, you're an intelligent guy. I graduated from East Carolina. I don't University. know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I I'm questioning that. Look, I don't claim. I'm not here to judge or anything i don't know everything i'm i'm just a guy just a regular dude but the uh the hornets play the raptors tonight and a moment ago you said what time is that game oh oh they're in uh toronto what so what time is the game tonight i was like what do you mean well and i thought well maybe you know when the orioles play the blue jays sometimes it's at like 707 instead of 705 or whatever but you were like no i thought I thought those games are usually at nine or ten o'clock so i was like where do you think toronto is? where do you think they're playing tonight so you looked at a map you said well where is where's toronto and i said it's like above new york it's like because they i remember buffalo bills played a home game there a few years ago against washington and you looked at a map and you are completely mind blown I can't believe it to learn where toronto is in fact, if you draw a straight line from Toronto and go down, <laughs> you end up between like Raleigh and Greensboro. Yeah, I mean, I am absolutely mind blown. Would you like to be mind blown a second time with Canadian geography? I don't know if he can handle it. Oh God, please, Cliff, just give it to me. The, give it to me. You mentioned drawing straight lines down for uh, geography. If you are standing in the city of Detroit, Michigan, and go south. You end up in Canada. Dun, dun, dun. That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) And this this one's easy to see because it's like you get out of Detroit and you're in Canada. So like if you wanted to open Apple Maps or something. And everybody at home, open Apple Maps. Go look at Detroit. Well, Chandler is looking at his uh, map right now. In fact, CJ, uh, a moment ago, he said, you know, I need to uh, I need to look at my maps more. I might spend the rest of the day looking <laughs> hey, at the map. Does he have maps at home spread I just, out? I haven't looked at a map in a long time. Yeah. And when I think of Toronto... Well, I to just, be fair, Toronto has moved from west to east over the years. No, it hasn't. <laughs> no, it has not. It used to be neighboring with Edmonton. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to admit right now here on live radio that I thought Toronto was in a completely different place. Way west, I'm saying. I did not know... That it was literally across the pond from New York, North Buffalo. Western New York. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is insane to me. Cliff, I, who's hosting trivia on Wednesday? I knew Toronto was a city. Steve. Can we get a geography round out of that? <laughs> if that's the case, I'm not showing up. No, and, you know, in fact, I will show up because I'm going to study this map. I'm going to know where places are now. <laughs> Well, sports helped me with a lot of things growing up. Name and one of those things was geography. Wow, man! Although it didn't help that the Braves were in the NL West, that screwed me up for a while. That's fair. But um, Chandler, like the Toronto Blue Jays, are in the AL East. The 
Toronto Raptors are in the Eastern Conference. The Maple Leafs are in the Eastern Conference. Like that's one way I do know, and I can't tell you exactly where all the Canada uh, teams are, but I know Vancouver's in the Western Conference. Edmonton's in the Western Conference. So that is one way I kind of know where places are, thanks to sports. So thank you, sports, and thank you, me, for helping Chandler. Well, I can't thank sports because I still didn't know that, but. I wish now that I know that I will be able to remember that. All right, they're in the East. All right, and I'm going to say thanks, sports. Thanks for rem- reminding me where Toronto is. Thanks for reminding me where Edmonton is. At one point, I could name all the provinces of Canada. I can definitely not do that anymore. When was that? Uh, we learned them in school. Wow. Uh, and at one point at ECU, I took an elective late when I was just trying to finish up and graduate north carolina geography i could name all 100 counties in north carolina all 100 and now i might wow. could give you 10 is one of them craven home of the uh havelock high school rams i do know where craven here's is. another mind-blowing <laughs> stat jenny on facebook just said it is a one and a half hour flight from raleigh that's a straight line it's a cliff it's a globe wow i thought it took a couple of days to get there <laughs> what a couple thought, of days i thought it took like a day and a half <laughs> not an hour and a half no that's a joke i, just, I know i know oh, okay. i know it's, yeah that, that was a joke but what is not a joke is that i did not know where toronto was located on the map and you know what you're not the only person out there that's tuned in right now that didn't know that so no you're doing a service i hope i hope so i'm just like the panthers i hope there's people that kind of stoop down to my well i'm talking about like kids in the car with their parents yeah (laughs) they didn't but now they know yeah so that's great you're welcome world i feel like billy madison (laughs) and i feel like billy madison right now like I'm in, I'm back to school, back to school to find out where Toronto is. <laughs> oh dear! All right, our uh, two for Tuesday giveaway. Get go into our Facebook live chat, tag three friends, and you'll be entered into our contest. We'll do our drawing in the last hour. Redbeard loves this contest. He says, sounds like the booty bag winner will decide who's not really a friend Correct. in the public eye today by tagging three friends, then only selecting one to win. He said, love it. This is what Redbeard enjoys, drama. Severing friendships. <laughs> yeah, and this could create some drama today. So uh, head on to Facebook Live, tag three of your Facebook friends, and uh, you'll have an opportunity, opportunity to win a large two-topping pizza from Domino's. And if you make- win, then your friends also, you, you can pick one of the three friends one that you tagged to get a pizza as well. So, so it's a two for Tuesday. So you tell two of your friends that you just tagged them for clout and the so, one's your actual friend. Correct. There will be drama. Will be friendships broken up thanks and, to yeah. Pirate Radio. Make sure you tag a good bunch. But also, one friendship gets closer together. A That's bond, true. That's a, true. A bond strengthens. So it's, would you rather have one close friend or three kind of close friends you can always like tag someone that you met a couple of weeks ago at a bar and just add them on facebook that's true but you can ask you can like add your brother or your sister into that group and just give it to them i'm gonna say one close friend okay that you can always count on you know what else you can count on ram tough thanks cj you're welcome 
take a time out come back and talk to the big man on campus jeff nadu he'll join us on the other side to talk about what's going on tonight in college basketball we'll talk some nfl playoffs as well more to go after this Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Do you need custom t-shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? Well, keep it local and print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at universitysportswearenc.com, the official sportswear provider of Pirate Radio for 18 years. Now, let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Rock. Alrighty, back with you here on Pirate Radio Live, hour number two. We will talk now to the BMOC, the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. Good slate of college basketball games going on tonight. Also, plenty of football to talk about. Uh, Jeff, how you doing on this Tuesday, man? Pretty good. How are you, Clint? Hey, doing good. Jeff, let's talk about the news of the day first. Uh, Sean Payton stepping down as Saints coach. He is doing a press conference as we speak, answering questions there down in New Orleans. And I guess we'll, uh, we'll let's talk about his next move, uh, Jeff. And we've ran over some scenarios that Jerry Jones fires Mike McCarthy and brings Sean Payton back to Dallas as their head coach. Maybe Sean Payton gets with Aaron Rodgers and they tag team and, and go somewhere that needs a, a coach and a QB. Uh, what do you think about the – I haven't seen any odds. It's kind of fresh, so I don't know if there are odds out there on what Payton uh, does next year or where he's coaching, but – any thoughts uh, when you heard that news today? Uh, I wasn't particularly surprised. According to people that I talk to that are that you know know the situation, I don't think Sean Payton's going to coach again. I think he's going to go to Fox and do uh, you know announcer work. Hmm. From what I understand, they're taxing him to be the next uh, Troy Aikman replacement. From what I understand, Aikman is going to Amazon, and they're going to offer Sean Payton a job as far as I'm as far as I've seen. So Interesting. I don't think he I don't think he coaches anywhere. I, I think that we see him next in a broadcast booth. All right. Well there you go. If uh if you're betting on his next move, there's a uh a play you can make on that. Jeff, we're coming off one of the greatest, if not the greatest, weekend of NFL playoff uh in history and just fantastic games down to the wire sets up the championship sunday coming up you can hear the games if you're out and about right here on pirate radio and we got some some classic lines here we got a three and we got a seven uh the rams are three point home favorites against san francisco the Chiefs seven point favorites against the Bengals. that total a lot higher in the afc than in the nfc 54 and a half for chiefs Bengals. Niners Rams 46 uh all these teams know each other they played in the regular season uh they've already met Jeff so I don't know what what, what can you find to, to separate these teams here in the playoffs you got any early leans for these games uh well look I think the thought early on was I have some interest in the Cincinnati Bengals look I'll say this I, I'm not particularly a huge fan of betting against the Chiefs I mean it just doesn't ever seem to work out it's just so tough to stop but this is a lot of points I mean you look at the Bengals on the road this year as dogs. I mean, five and one against the number. Joe Burrow's been good on the road in his career. So I um, I really like kind of the makeup of this game. I think this is kind of one of those shootouts. And the early indications are sharp money is pumping this number up. You're not getting 
public coming in and betting this game on Monday and Tuesday. That's sharp money betting this game. When you see sharps betting totals up in the 50s, you have to have a lot of interest in thinking this is likely going to be a shootout. I've said before, and I'll say it again, the Chiefs' defense is not good. That was shown on Sunday. I think it's also clear that the Bengals are probably a defense that's going to break against an offense quite like the Mahomes-led Chiefs. So, for me, I think I agree with the number. i got to tell you, I'm not, I don't play a lot of teasers. It's not my thing, but... I think teasing the, the Bengals up and teasing you know the over down can make some sense. I think there's a lot of advantage with NFL playoff teasers. I mean, at the end of the day, these lines are very good. You think about it, you tease the Bengals up to, let's say, 13, 13 and a half. You get this total down to, let's say, 47 and a half. I have some real interest in that. On the other side, Jeff, uh, we've talked about the Rams quite a bit. i uh, got a, a play on them as a future. You said going into the playoffs, the Rams look like the best team in the NFL uh, on paper. And look at what they've done so far in the playoffs. Now, they did let it slip away, but were able to, to get the win. Some big plays from Stafford, Stafford to Cup down the stretch. And now they can sit at home the rest of this thing. They're at home for the NFC Championship. If they win, they're at home for the Super Bowl. Do you still feel uh, you know strongly and good about the Rams as they head into this game against the 49ers? Yeah, and it's probably one of the reasons I'm not going to probably play this game. I might just bet props. I have the Rams at 15 to one to win the Super Bowl. I also have the Bengals for that matter at 40 to one. So I'd love a Bengals win, and I'm flipping in in the Super Bowl with two futures, and I don't have to bet anything. Um, but I think it's a tough game. I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL. I've said that for a while. Uh, Stafford, I thought was incredible last weekend. Um, I was a little disgusted with the defense, but, you know, they were without some players. Uh, you know, Tom Brady seems to be magic anytime the playoffs come around, so I'm not exactly sickened by it. I, I think defensively they're still pretty good, and they get to the quarterback. Von Miller was terrific, really the difference in the game for the Rams. But, you know, there's something magical about the Niners clip in the playoffs. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan's been a terrific uh, dog uh, coach. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's been terrific. You look at Garoppolo and Shanahan – as road underdogs, 11-3 and three against the spread. That's pretty incredible. I get a feeling this is a close one. I think the Rams win at home, but wouldn't surprise me if it's a 24-21 type of game. Jeff Nadeau joining us. Jeff, speaking of odds, uh, I get these emails all the time. This one from uh, sportsbetting.ag, and it's got Aaron Rodgers' odds on where he starts in week one, and I'll just reel off some of the teams, and, and we'll get your thoughts on it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' team in week one, the favorite, according to this, is the Denver Broncos at plus 250, followed by the Steelers, 350, Dolphins, 450, Eagles, plus 550, and then Browns, Raiders, Jets, and then a number of other teams. How about the the future of Aaron Rodgers? Does it uh, continue in Green Bay, or is he playing for another team, or does he maybe go that Sean Payton route and end up on Jeopardy or doing something else away from football. What do you think about Rodgers next year? You know, it's funny that you brought this up. I actually put money on that exact book uh, to bet this. Okay, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I actually took um, – I played the Miami Dolphins. I, wow. I, this is uh, – I think it's a good idea. I actually uh, got 5-1, to one, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I think when you look at the Miami Dolphins, I think they're really built at a nice level right now. I mean, they're going to have a new coach coming in. I think Aaron can maybe have a decision on that. Uh, you also look at some of the young skill position talent that they have, pretty good defense. 
who the hell doesn't want to play in Miami clip? I mean, do you really want? I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Whole life he's played in Green Bay. Wouldn't mind finishing my career down in sunny Miami um, in a situation where, you know, you have a pretty decent team. Um, I think you, know, you have a say in who the coach is going to be. Um, I, I think they're the team that, that emerges to me as the winner. That's what I was going to ask, Jeff. Is that part of his deal? You say, hey, Rogers, you come in, and uh, we'll let you handpick the head coach that you can work with. Yeah, and I think it's become clear that, you know, that, that the quarterback situation there is problematic. We heard that yeah. the possibilities they looked at Deshaun Watson and were interested there. So, I mean, look, if I'm a guy like Aaron Rodgers towards the end of my career, I want to go win. Um, obviously, the Patriots, are, that's going to be an interesting division over the years, but a great place to finish your career in sunny Miami. Jeff Nadeau joining us on the Pirate Radio Live Line. Jeff, let's talk. Yeah, go ahead. By, by the way, and this is something we have to start talking about now in the NFL and in sports. Florida is a very you know, politically aligned state to the way Aaron Rodgers is. Just going to say that. I think that's something now that – People are starting to look at. Well, as a better, you're always looking for an edge and any any yeah. lean you can get. So there's uh, that's that's a good point. Taxes and stuff down there are particularly good for athletes, as far as I know. So yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers. I think they have come out as kind of the little call for me. All right, uh, Jeff. Let's look at some college basketball tonight. Game in Philly tonight. Temple hosting Cincinnati. The Bearcats a four point road favorite, and that one. Duke is at home against Clemson. Double digit favorites are the Blue Devils. Uh, I guess the the game of the night involving top ten teams. Arizona UCLA late night start tonight, and Arizona actually a two and a half point road favorite in that game against the Bruins. So, Jeff, uh, what stands out about this Tuesday night basketball card to you? Well, yeah, I think that late-night game's terrific. Out at L.A., Pauly, 11 o'clock Eastern, I'll be dialed into that. I actually played UCLA plus 3.5. I think at 2.5, it's, it's a good play as well. This game has a striking resemblance to the same game that Arizona had a couple of weeks ago where they went on the road after rolling, hadn't lost the game. Uh, they went into Tennessee and lost the game. I don't know if you remember. It's a pretty similar spot, quite honestly. Uh, now you get a, a conference opponent who... You know, from as much as UCLA has been really good, we haven't heard much about them. I think offensively they present some matchups to Arizona that are problematic. I think Tiger Campbell will eat uh, the guards for Arizona for lunch. I think not having Tubulus in the lineup for Arizona is a big loss if he doesn't play. I just think for me, Cronin has something tonight. I think he game plans Tommy Lloyd out of the gym. I think UCLA gets a big-time win tonight uh, at home. Mick Cronin making the move uh, from Cincinnati to UCLA. Looks like that's worked out pretty well for him. The grass isn't always greener, Jeff. Uh, this is a, a hindsight is twenty twenty, but I just saw this on Twitter. Wanted to just mention it to you, bring it up with you. Uh, Nick Coffey, who covers Louisville Athletics, says that uh, Louisville has called a joint meeting for tomorrow at 4 o'clock for the Board of Trustees and the uh, Louisville Athletic Association. The meeting will address pending litigation and personnel matters also he says the chris mack coaches show scheduled for tonight has been canceled uh chris mack who had xavier number one a one seed in the tournament now he was losing some studs on that team so kind of makes sense for him to jump to louisville but it's been an absolute nightmare for him since he joined louisville and that looks like it could be coming to an end pretty soon here jeff yeah, it's completely falling apart. I'm surprised they haven't cut the cord at this point. I, listen, 
his behavior during that Gaudio extortion nonsense was pathetic. I mean, it's something out of a, a mob podcast, maybe the sit down possibly, but uh, you know, it was pathetic. I mean, recording people is just something you don't do as another man. As far as him as a coach, you know, Malik Williams wasn't exactly you know keen on them last night. He was asked about whether they tuned the coaches out, and he said no comment. Yeah. I think it's become clear that Chris Mack, this team is not engaged. Louisville has a rich basketball basketball tradition. I think you got to make a move and get rid of the guy. Seems like things have not worked out there, and. You know, Louisville's not going to put up with that very long. I think this is a clear indication Mac's likely on his way out. No doubt. Just wanted to uh, bring that up, that just coming across. Uh, Jeff, how about tonight? You got some uh, some SEC hoops. The new number one Auburn are big favorites on the road against Missouri. I think uh, Alabama in action tonight as well. So uh, you got the SEC. You got some Big Ten basketball with Maryland Rutgers. Anything else outside of that showdown in the Pac-12 you're uh, looking forward to tonight? Well, a game that's interesting is Kentucky, Mississippi State. Mississippi State's tough, play hard, you know, good offensive team. Yeah, Kentucky's got all sorts of problems. Ty Ty Washington's out. Uh, Severe Wheeler likely not going to play. It's kind of an interesting spot for Mississippi State. Um, as far as Temple, you mentioned them. They've had a 13-day break. Came at kind of a bad time. They were rolling. Uh, now they get Cincy coming into uh, Leah Kors Center. That's an interesting matchup. Uh, one to start the, tonight, Richmond and Rhode Island. I like the over in that game. I feel like both offenses had some real, will have some real success tonight. It doesn't seem like over the years neither offense can stop each other. Richmond never plays much defense. Uh, I kind of like the over. I also like um, Syracuse tonight clip against Pitt. Don't really understand this number. I played it at four. It's up to four and a half. Um, Syracuse beat it by 16 a couple weeks ago. I don't think a change of venue is going to do much. The truth is, Pittsburgh just can't score. Um, they thrive at getting to the free throw line. And, you know, to score like that against Syracuse, it's not going to happen. you got to be able to shoot. Pitt can't do it. I think Syracuse kind of one-ups and, and sweeps Pitt this year. Jeff Nadeau joining us, host of the Sit Down Podcast, if you're into the mob and mafia history. And I don't know anything about this, uh, Jeff, but Robert on Facebook Live asks, uh, will Jeff be watching the 2020 special about Sammy the Bull? Are you familiar with what he's talking about, Jeff? Yeah, actually, uh, I have a. I don't know if I consider it a long history with Sammy the Bull, but but I, I definitely know he knows who I am, uh, and I, I sure know hell know who he knows who he is. Um, will I be watching it? No, I mean I, I think Sammy the Bull Gravano is very similar to you know the Michael Jordan Lebron James debate. I mean, how many times can you talk about the same thing? Sammy the Bull is a, a rat. We know who he is. I've actually heard through the grapevine clip, this is kind of breaking news, I've heard over the last week or so, uh, Sammy Gravano is in pretty bad condition right now. He's an older guy. From what I understand, he has COVID-19. So we might actually get some news about Sammy any day now, from what I understand. But uh, will I watch it? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take a look as kind of like a journalist on the Mafia, but uh, I've kind of Sammied out. I, I've, I, I know probably more about him than his own family does. So. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, thank you for... Uh... a mob historian, you kind of know about him. Thank you for asking that, Robert. All right, uh, big man, enjoyed the chat today. We'll reconvene with you on Thursday, see if these NFL lines move any at all, and uh, we'll talk ECU Memphis Part 2 coming up Thursday with you as well. So we'll do that. Sounds good. Look forward to it. All right, the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau, joining us at Jeff NADU, host of the Sit Down Podcast, talking mob and mafia history. We'll take a timeout when we return. Clayton Truder will join us on the Pirate Radio Live Line. He's got a new book coming out. We'll talk about that. 
and what's going on in the world of sports when we return on pirate radio live here on a tuesday we're back with you after this You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. From sales to service, Greenville Auto World has all of your vehicle needs covered. Shop all of their inventory now at greenvilleautoworld.net. If you're also looking for someone to service your vehicle, they have a full service and repair facility. They do brakes, oil changes, tires, inspections, and they can repair any kind of vehicle. Greenville Auto World is across from Speedway at Bells Fork and online at greenvilleautoworld.net. And thanks to Tim Sutton and Jim Rogers for their sponsorship of the program. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here is your host, Clip Rock. Alrighty, back with you here on Pirate Radio Live on a Tuesday. Stephen Igo, Voice of the Colors, joining us later on in today's program. We'll talk Pirate Football, Pirate Hoops, Pirate Baseball, and get Igo's thoughts on uh, the NFL playoffs and what his Broncos are going to do at head coach and QB moving forward. Uh, right now, we will talk to Clayton Truder, and uh, he's been on the program before talking some Cincinnati Bearcats uh, athletics in the past, uh, among other things. But he's got a new book coming out that we're going to talk about regarding Atlanta sports, and he joins us today on Pirate Radio Live. Clayton, welcome back. How you doing, man? Doing great, Clip. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. And uh, it has been a bit of a, uh, a renaissance for Georgia and championships over the last few months. The Braves uh, winning a World Series and the Georgia Bulldogs uh, winning the college football playoff championship over Alabama. But your book is titled Loserville and uh, how professional sports remade Atlanta and how Atlanta remade professional sports. So, first of all, Clayton, give us the uh, the background on the book, uh, how you came up with the idea, and, and, and what it all entails. The book started when I was a graduate student. I was writing a doctoral dissertation in history, and I got interested in the history of professional sports franchise relocations. And I looked for a study uh, for a city to focus on for my study, and I found Atlanta, in many ways, is the starting point for the modern sports business. Atlanta is the first city to really go out there, roll out the red carpets, go from having zero professional sports franchises to teams in all four major professional sports leagues. And they did this in a very short period of time. In 1965, Atlanta had no major pro sports teams. By 72, they have the Braves, the Falcons, the Flames, and the Hawks. And this is largely the effort of civic leaders to go out uh, to go out and promote the city to, to the major sports leagues and also make substantial offers of public investments in pro sports. So the book is a study of Atlanta's pursuit of pro sports, then the response to those teams by the fans and their performance on the field in subsequent decades. The book is mostly focused on the 60s and 70s, but certainly covers on more recent decades. Uh, it, it is essentially a, so- a story of the city and its teams in this particular time period. And Clayton, that you hear like, and and as a Braves fan, I, I, I can certainly say that you did get a bit spoiled in the '90s with their run. And game eighty-one of the regular season was not that important because you knew they were going to go to the playoffs, and it was all about could they win a World Series. They won one, and that was it during that era. And I feel like Atlanta as a whole kind of got the the rap as a 
a bad sports town when it came to the following teams and certainly all the losing didn't help so how about back in that era what was it looked at from a fan perspective uh in atlanta well, the, the title of the book, Loserville, comes from a man named Louis Grizzard, who was the editor of the Atlanta Constitution. He did a two-part front-page series in July 1975 called Loserville, which detailed the lack of support the teams were receiving after the first major league decade in town and lack of success the teams had. So Atlanta's reputation in many ways goes back to the 1960s. People were surprised how poorly the, the Braves particularly how poorly the Hawks drew when they got to town. The Hawks were an immediately good team. The St. Louis Hawks had just won the NBA's Western Division the year before they came to town. Um, but they, they were drawing three, 4,000 people to their games uh, while finishing first, uh, first or second in the Western Division. So the idea that Atlanta's teams struggled to draw a fan base is, is nothing new. It's something that really dates back into this era as well. And I can go into a lot of the different reasons why that's the case, if, if you'd like. Yeah, well, and I'm thinking about it now. You know, the Braves uh, just had recent success. The Hawks with Trey Young could be on the up and up. The Falcons are a bit down. But I think about the, uh, isn't it their MLS team that sells out and wins, uh, Clayton, that that maybe has the the best fan support in Atlanta right now? Right now, absolutely. United won the championship two years ago. They've they've been filling Mercedes-Benz Stadium quite well. How long that lasts is another question. I, I think that's always been an issue in Atlanta, too, kind of a fickleness among their fan bases that when the teams are successful, they will draw well, um, but they don't other times. And I think in large part, this is the product of Atlanta being such a community of transplants that you go to Atlanta, even people, even other people who are from the South, they're from somewhere else in the South, let alone being from Detroit or Chicago or Boston or New York or, or some other uh, city in the North. So Atlanta's always had to deal with having a significant part of its population being relatively transient, also having a highly suburban population, a very uh, spread-out population, has made it tough for these teams to be a durable draw as well. And with so many new people in town all the time, it's very difficult for these teams to become, well, this was my dad's team, and it was his dad's team, and it was his dad's team. That, that really isn't the case with pro sports in Atlanta. Atlanta certainly had a strong pro, certainly had a strong sports culture before the big leagues got to town, and those sports continued to draw wide support. Obviously, college football with Georgia Tech in Georgia, uh, high school football on Friday nights, golf, boating, tennis, stock car racing, professional wrestling. On many a Friday night, pro wrestling at the City Armory, which was built during the Cleveland administration, outdrew. The Hawks at the Omni with Pete Maravich playing for them. Um, you have the most popular basketball player in the country. More people are, are going to watch, um, you know, Mr. Wrestling number two and, and, and Dusty Rhodes and stuff at the, at the unair conditioned city armory. Wow. We're going to sit in theater seats at the Omni to watch Pete Maravich play. So people who were, who were, who were natives to the, to the area and region, many of them maintained their traditional sporting interests and didn't necessarily just, uh, all of a sudden transform their interest to teams that had Atlanta across their chest. So having existing, an existing sporting culture, being such a, a suburban uh, marketplace, and also having all these transplants has made Atlanta always a very difficult uh, draw for pro sports. I mean, certainly there are many diehard fans there. ABS with Turner, uh, uh, particularly the Braves and Hawks, developed a broader regional appeal being on TV all the time. But in many ways, the problems Atlanta faces now and, and the flack it gets as a market really all dates back to the 1960s and 1970s. 
And even though Atlanta essentially invents the model of public financing of pro sports as a way of luring in the big leagues, um, other cities have followed this, whether it's San Diego or Tampa or Houston uh, or Phoenix. They face many of the same problems. They're cities with a lot of transplants. They're cities that had their own sporting culture before they became Major League Two. In particular, in a lot of Sunbelt places, because the weather's so good, the idea of going and sweating it out in the stands or in an arena um, is not quite as appealing as it might be if you're in the Northeast. So I, I think a lot of these other markets that followed Atlanta's path to the big leagues faced a lot of the same problems and for a lot of the same reasons. Clayton Schroeder joining us today on Pirate Radio Live. The book is Loserville, and uh, folks can pre-order that uh, right now. Right, Clayton? When does the uh, the book come out? The book comes out on Tuesday. It's available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all the well-known websites uh, for you know book sales. And, uh, yeah, so it'll, it'll be available next Tuesday. You mentioned the Atlanta Flames, which uh, I forgot was a thing until you mentioned it. And then, uh, of course, the Atlanta Thrashers. I still see Atlanta Thrashers memes on uh, social media. I guess, uh, would you (laughs) never say never, but is Atlanta done trying to bring a hockey team there, you think? Uh, Well, on on, on my Twitter, there are certainly people who want to. I have a lot of followers who are people who were Thrashers fans, who were Flame fans, who were part of a relatively small but diehard base that these teams had. There certainly is a push in Atlanta, and I think any market as big as Atlanta always has a shot to get back into the league. There's just the lure of having this broad regional market in Atlanta really being the the hub of this broad uh, marketplace that I think always makes it an attractive market, even though it's had trouble in the past. Um, In terms of the Flames, one of the big arguments in my books is that the Flames did not really fail as either an attraction or an on-ice product. They made the playoffs in six of their eight seasons when making the playoffs was a more difficult thing to do. They had above-average attendance in five of their eight seasons. They, particularly among affluent Northsiders in Atlanta, developed a very strong base. Coming to a Flames game was such a novel experience in a region where there wasn't even an indoor ice rink at the time that the Flames arrived in 1962. So going to the Omni, going to see the Flames, then heading over to underground Atlanta when it was still a very popular attraction, um, that became the go-to night out for tens of thousands of people, particularly kind of upscale consumers in metropolitan Atlanta in the 70s. Uh, the Flames issues had more to do with their owner, Tom Cousins, who was a major real estate in- investor in Atlanta, who got into trouble building a broader complex. There's the Omni Coliseum, which is the, the arena that the Hawks and Flames played in, but then there was a broader mixed-use development with, with a mall and and office buildings and hotels called the Omni International Complex, which opens in 1975 and by 1978 is the largest bankruptcy in U.S. real estate history. So Cousins is scrambling around looking for money. He uh, ends up selling the Hawks to Turner for pennies on the dollar, basically, uh, with, in terms of the flames. Two years later, there's some investors in, in Alberta, oil men, who are looking to get an NHL team to put in the new Olympic arena they're building in Calgary for the 88 Olympics. And the team ends up moving to Calgary uh, for that reason. So the Flames, um, it's really, they're a victim of circumstances more than they are their success on the ice or the actual support they receive. The Thrashers are a little bit of a different story. I think in part, partly the issue with them is the, the Sun Belt market for hockey was already a little oversaturated at that point. The Flames were kind of out on their own when they arrived in the 70s, but things by the late 90s when the Thrashers get there are a little different. Clayton Trader joining us. Loserville is the book uh, available Tuesday. You can pre-order now. 
and uh clayton we've had you on the show in the past talking some cincinnati athletics uh, are you still uh doing your work with down the drive covering the bearcats yes yeah we cover bearcats football and then men's and women's basketball primarily i mean fantastic football season the basketball season's heating up a little bit too they're on a three-game winning streak they're heading uh heading over to temple tonight so hopefully things are looking good with that as well Clayton, what uh, what's the next idea? I, I know. Uh, look, we're we're celebrating Loserville uh, coming out, but there's got to be something in the hopper. So, what are the uh, the next topics you hope to explore via book? Um, I'm working on my second book right now, which is about college basketball in Boston in the 1980s. It's uh, there's you have Jim Calhoun, Rick Pitino, Gary Williams, all basically mm. learning to fly their trade in the city at the same time. Done about 90 interviews. I'm about halfway through the book now. I have a contract for that with the university of nebraska press as i did with my uh book loserville awesome comes out in late 2023 yeah good stuff uh once again if folks want to check out loserville and uh, and get that book clayton how can they do that they can uh they can head to amazon.com or barnes and noble and uh it's available for pre-order now it comes out uh, on tuesday february 1st and if you guys are interested you can follow me on twitter too at uh, clayton Truder. All right, uh, Clayton. Uh, good luck, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll uh, we'll get you on in the future. Uh, interested in that that college basketball book? Those are some big names uh, there in the Boston area in the '80s. So uh, when you're ready for that one, we'll have you back on, and I'm sure we'll get you back on to talk some uh, Cincinnati athletics at some point too. That sounds great, Clip. Thanks for having me on. It was a real pleasure. All right, thank you. There is Clayton Truder. Uh, check out Loserville. You can uh, purchase it now. The kind of the, the story of Atlanta sports uh, back in the '60s and '70s. Jeff Charles was in Atlanta when early early '80s, I guess. He wasn't there in the '70s, was he? I don't think he was in there in the '70s. I have to ask, I have him, to ask him. I have to double check, but I definitely know he was there in the '80s. Yeah, he uh, he saw some some not great Braves teams. I remember <laughs> while he was there, he's talked yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I watched a lot of not so great Braves baseball at that time too. Yeah, I jumped on. I kind of sort of remember the tail end of the bad days the end of the murphy and horner days so you joined in right about the time that i was watching and kind of got away from braves baseball because you know you're talking about like guys like otis nixon dale murphy bob horner um i always I'm remember to think of the other guys yeah Ozzie, for yeah, some reason. yeah i mean you know i just remember the powder blue uniforms and just days of watching really long baseball games and you know not coming out on the positive end of them so but you know uh but yeah that that would have been right about the time that i kind of drifted away from the braves uh franchise and started because uh, that was about the the time that i discovered that other baseball games could be seen on tv because back in those days you couldn't you, you thought the braves were like the harlem globetrotters they were the only they ones they were the playing. only i thought they were the only baseball team in town i mean you know i didn't know that you could see other baseball games and i kind of drifted away and yeah. that's about about the time that you kind of took over and uh i got I jumped in at the right time i was definitely spoiled uh to be a braves fan in the early 90s all right let's take a break we'll come back uh kind of re-hit some of the Sean Payton stuff. Uh, Jeff Nadeau says he thinks Sean Payton will not coach next year uh, or moving forward. Sean Payton just had a press conference and two minutes ago Andrew Siciliano just tweeted out a quote from that press conference where Payton says, my plans are not to be coaching in 2022 
and that's just how I feel, end quote. Interesting. Also, uh, Michael responded to that tweet that said, this presser reminds me of Bill Cowers. Remember, like, every year we would say, well, all right, I know Bill Cower retired, but when's he coming back? Is he going to go to he, NC he State? Said, He's got his Raleigh ties. Is he going to go back in the NFL? He never did. Never, never came back. Stayed on TV. Yep. Well, it's probably a better gig for him. And, uh, you know. It's just shocking to us to see guys go out when they have so much more left. And Sean Payton, for how I mean, old is I he? mean, think about Jimmy Johnson, too. I mean, a guy, he could coach. He could still coach if he wanted to. He just chooses not to. Uh, Sean Payton is 58. He looks younger. We think of him as younger than he is probably because he got such an early start. Yep. Like Mike Tomlin. How old do you think Mike Tomlin is? He's probably like he's probably, around 50. I would think he's about close. Yeah, look, I think he's 54. He is 49. Shut up. He's 49? 49. Wow. How, so, old, how old do you think he was? 54. He's still young, yeah. yeah. But he, I mean, he's relatively, been yeah, relatively young. I mean, yeah. but yeah, you're right. I mean, Tomlin's been around for a very long time. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. More to go. Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. Now, back to the show. You know, you think you'd know how to run this thing after doing it for 18 years. Jeez. Welcome back to the show. Watch all of Pirate Radio's local programming on YouTube Live. You can uh, watch Pirate Radio Live, of course, Monday through Friday from 3 until 6. And during game days, you can also watch the Bud Light pregame tailgate in the U.S. Cellular fifth quarter as well during football season. All you have to do is go to YouTube. Search Pirate Radio TV and click on that subscribe button. Now let's head back into the show. Here's Clip. Alrighty, just saw a clip, a uh, video clip, tonight's Real Sports with Brian Gumble, which is still a thing. Uh, he will be interviewing Antonio Brown and his agent, and I do not plan to watch that. Since considering he tweeted out a picture of himself in a Ravens uniform. Well, he went on a podcast and said that he they asked him, the question was, like, what quarterback would you want to play with next? His answer was Lamar Jackson. And so, apparently Lamar agrees. And, you know, Antonio Brown, a lot of players, you know, probably would, like, keep it secret, kind of beat around the bush with those questions. But he's just, like, openly like, no, yeah, I want to play with Lamar Jackson. I want to go to Baltimore. Uh, which I got to say is not the first choice I would have uh, – gone with i definitely didn't think that would be his first choice i mean i just saw mahomes josh allen uh aaron Rodgers, wherever he lands i have seen videos though i think he trains with lamar jackson and i think they're uh, buddies and uh like i said he runs route for lamar you know wherever california wherever they go so um i guess it's uh it's a mutual like a uh, like a best friend thing like i want to go play with this guy are you surprised he didn't say uh taylor heineke or sam darnold <laughs> i mean no okay i just wondered they seem like you, you know, know when he said lamar jackson i said well what about sam darnold <laughs> i mean what are you doing i was thinking about the uh the way the niners use debo it frustrates me that washington and part of it is heineke and 
just he's not all there as a quarterback but why can't we get our best player the ball now we you, did that with curtis samuel but the thing is is that curtis samuel is like non-existent for the washington football team i'm not gonna talk i'm not even gonna acknowledge his I name know, there's I, no reason to that it, I, don't, I, I know you don't like the curtis samuel subject but i mean it's what it's we not it, that i don't like it it's just not even relevant it's like saying hey clip you want to talk about that purple dinosaur that's in the room with you well there, it's not here so i can't talk I, about i know it. i just i'm just saying that's what we did with him in carolina but well, it i was gonna matter. ask you now but he's not your best player like you had christian mccaffrey who everything goes to through and that's fine but when he's out like that's what that's when we went that route with curtis samuel is when we were down uh christian mccaffrey later in the, that second half of the not last year but the year before uh we had to kind of get creative somewhat and that's what we did we put curtis samuel on the backfield and we kept him in different other kind of packages as well at the wide receiver position but we, that was we, under what coach that was matt rule that was first year, year of one matt yeah yeah well, and, and okay, well, I was going to ask you, does it frustrate you when coaches go almost too much by the book and say we're playing our running backs or running back, our receivers at receiver? Just like old school, traditional. But uh, the Panthers kind of do use their best players, and, and there's been talk that – I know Tony Dunn scoffs at this and hates it, but like, do you use Christian McCaffrey too much as a receiver and a running back? But I guess to the Panthers' credit, they have at least tried to get their best players involved in multiple ways over the years, yeah. dating back to the Rivera and who was the OC then? Was Norv Turner Mike there Shula. one year? Shula, whoever was there? Not Mike Shula, his son. Well, Don Shula's the dad. Oh no, yeah, it is, it is Mike, Mike Shula. Shula. It is Mike Shula. So, uh, but I just love watching that, and I guess it's a playoff thing too, where you don't have to worry about okay it's week three we don't want debo to get beat up in the playoffs you just go you just do whatever yeah, you just got to go all out i i just i love the way they use him out of the backfield catching the ball more so as a running back now than a receiver i like how arthur smith who you know was looked at as a good football mind now a lot of that was just handing the ball to derrick henry in tennessee but he goes to atlanta and makes cordero patterson their number one running back and a weapon and i tell you what with 49ers too is um you know they do a lot of creative stuff like you know putting trent williams the left tackle former washington redskin in motion doing things like that creatively but they also they have a a position a traditional position that's really not used anymore a fullback kyle use so and they use him in in different ways too so it kind of frustrates me that there's you know why why are we not being as innovative as kyle shanahan and his offense because it's fun rams do a lot of cool stuff like i don't know they also have the rams and other teams they have a lot of talent which washington doesn't and uh i'm just i don't moving forward uh, i just think we kind of get away from the traditional well that's what i was going to say specialization of of positions maybe this is just a slow development because it's kind of been like that with football you know as it's began i mean yeah. you know the air raid was like that well why why don't we start doing the air raid now you see it everywhere in football so maybe that's uh now maybe, teams are going back to like the tight end oh yeah it's kind of cyclical right like yeah. there's different cycles and, and so speaking of the tight end the way the buccaneers utilize their tight ends is crazy you know uh being down tristan worth the all pro tackled only in his second year um in the league 
and I think he's a two-time All-Pro right tackle now. But uh, they had to. They, they had Gron- Gronkowski pretty much as an extra right tackle, so that kind of that kind of shows you, you know, the creative minds in, in, in the National Football League. Uh, East Carolina going to get creative next year with Ryan Jones and the weapons they have. Can't wait, tight end. Can't wait. See what we're going to do with him. It's crazy that we're actually saying, you know, and being positive uh, and having a great outlook on the tight end room, that, which, which might have more coming. talent. Yeah, like, and I know you've said this, especially since the departure of Tyler Snead. Uh, could we say that the tight end room is a more talented room than the actual wide receiver room? Uh, the answer to that question is yes. I, I think. We have some prospects and some potential at receiver, but nothing really proven yet outside of what? CJ and a little bit of Josiah Hatfield. Yeah. That's uh, that's the position to watch in the off season. Come spring, like who's stepping up spring at receiver? Uh, definitely going to be something to keep an eye on. All right, let's take our last break this hour. We'll come back. Steve and I go hoist the colors. will join us on the other side to talk about everything going on in East Carolina athletics, and uh, we'll talk some NFL as well. More to go on Pirate Radio Live. We're back with you after this. listening to hour three of pirate radio live this hour of prl is brought to you by bud light reminding pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly bud light the official beer of the ecu pirates and proudly distributed by carolina eagle distributing since 1989 now back to the show welcome back at angel oak they continue to make customer service a number one priority a local mortgage mortgage advisor is the key to your transaction success the combination of their local team's experience and their wide offerings of products from standard conventional government and portfolio loans has something for every financial situation for more information call talbot green joanne weir or wanda hager at angel oak home loans at 751-2060 now let's head back into prl here is clip all right hour three of pirate radio live I know we're winding down the football season here, but I just saw a couple of unrelated tweets that remind me that football is right around the corner. And one of those is a tweet about Hard Knocks and Christian Audie. Who is that, Chandler? Executive producer, Fox Sports Charlotte, says the Panthers have a very good chance of being on Hard Knocks this year. Teams with a new head coach don't qualify playoff teams from the past two years can't be forced to do it so the nfl can force the jets Lions, or panthers to do it if hbo choices don't want it couldn't um oh washington made the playoffs two years ago um so the panthers would be one of the teams that could be forced to do hard knocks to which chandler replied uh oh that's great i would look forward to the panthers being on hard knocks but not sure if you would want to see this current Panthers iteration on Hard Knocks. No. Just, I think it would be a nightmare because all you rule haters that take apart every little thing he says are going to just hate the guy. You're going to be seething watching this in the offseason. I mean, I don't even know if he wants there to be cameras behind the scenes anyway. I mean. Well, I guess none of these coaches do if you have to be forced to do I would it. want to watch the Lions. I want to see Dan Campbell coach a football team. 
I want to see the behind-the-scenes look I agree with of that. the Detroit Lions. Those guys love him. They fight you know, every single Sunday well, for him. Kind of similar to New York. Robert Sala, not on the, the level of Dan Campbell when it comes to absolute maniac no but, but you, got, you got a young quarterback in zach wilson that would be fun to watch um jared yeah. the thing about the lines is that jared goff um i feel like he's a boring person maybe they I get his girlfriend wrong. in there so they could if they really want to bump the views up yeah also the other tweet i saw during the break um an nc state uh the red white pod i guess covered nc state says uh if state's win total is set at nine and a half next season would you bet under or, or over? And a state fan, uh, fan friend of mine that I follow, said under. Uh, he says ECU and Greenville will be tough, and then pointed to some other games. So we're already talking hard knocks and win totals for next year, which gets me excited for football. Yeah, I mean, you'll <laughs> you'll blink your eyes and it'll be kickoff time. Oh, I wish that was true. Well, and the USFL premieres uh, this year, and they are going to do a simulcast cast excuse me <clears throat> fox and i forget what the other channel was that Nickelodeon? <laughs> no i want to say usa network but i'm not real sure by the way i watched college basketball on usa network uh over the weekend it was very the college was remember... the ncaa tournament huh isn't the ncaa tournament usually on usa no it's usually on those weird tbs tbs and true tv See, I used to see. I didn't even know that the USA Network still existed. Who? Uh, yeah, Monday Night Raw. That's, that's their only show. Nah, Psych was a great show. One of my all-time favorite shows. NCIS says CJ. Reruns. Those were reruns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I remember. Well, USA Network for me was back in the day when they used to have the uh, Saturday Morning Cartoon Express. Up all night up all night yes up friday all night, night yes friday night was great yeah yeah but i haven't watched usa network and i if i watched it it was inadvertent that i didn't realize what channel i was watching it is still a thing uh who, right. was unaware. who played on usa it was <laughs> i took uh i took rhode island guess who missed a key free throw down the stretch for rhode island a guy named Jeremy Shepard. Oh. Former East Carolina guard. Screwing me again. <laughs> Jeremy Shepard. And that's where Akeem Richmond, who we just had we on did the show a, We last, did a trade. Yeah. Player to be named later. And that player was Jeremy Shepard. All right. Perfect. We got a 30-minute recorded interview with Igo, so we probably should get to that. Enough digressing. We need to regress. No. Progress. Not regress. Steven. How you doing, buddy? It's going good, Cliff. Um, <laughs> tough to like, – I feel like we reached the pinnacle of sports viewing this past weekend, so like, I feel like we can't even look forward to what's next because there's no way it can be topped. Everything is a letdown from here on out. That includes the championship rounds. Um, does that include like East Carolina basketball too, Stephen? I would say that is at the complete other opposite end of the spectrum. Um, I was trying to take your advice, and outside of tweeting and covering it on Saturday, was was not going to mention it again. But now that you did bring it up, yeah, that was uh, that was a total goat radio, as uh, Joe Dooley would say. So I didn't watch it for multiple reasons. One, because there was a playoff game on. 
uh two because of the score and then and more than that like if i did watch it people could ask me what went wrong what happened but since i didn't watch it i could just say i, I don't know i didn't watch it so i'm not a uh i'm not someone you should ask that question to you should ask somebody that did sit through it and watch it and you did Stephen, right yeah mainly the first half and probably the last five minutes of the second half i mean i'll be honest i um once he got to halftime and it was just so i mean i like i can't even come up with the the right words to describe it because it's such a such a beat down um I just I pulled up Stat Tracker and I turned on the end of the it was Titans Bengals I believe at that point and uh, wanted to see the end of that and so my wife was like don't you need to watch the game and I was like yeah but there's really nothing to watch and so I followed it and but I mean the first if you could tell from the opening minutes that it was just going to be a complete mismatch like by the time Houston led ten nothing ECU just. I don't know if they – I think they finally got probably a handful of clean looks by the end of the end of the night. But Houston was guarding them so tight, and ECU was just doing nothing offensively that everything they threw up was contested, into the shot clock, desperation shot, and then Houston would just kind of come down and throw something up, get a rebound, get a stick back, get a kick out three, get a transition bucket off the steal. I mean, it was just – it looked like men versus boys. It was, uh, it was a complete beatdown. It was just the – it was the perfect storm of Houston was pissed after last year, and ECU just could not match them in any regard. Physicality, uh, mentality, shooting, defense, rebounding, it was just a total mismatch. Well, now Memphis coming up for part of that game. It looked like a mismatch uh, the first time around in Menji's Coliseum. Memphis had a 19-point lead. They were flying high. It looked like they were going to run away with it, but East Carolina kept chipping away, chipping away. were able to come back and win it on a Brandon Suggs bank game winner at the buzzer. Uh, the, the rematch coming up Thursday night, Stephen, and yeah, I, I've heard and and I tend to agree. You know, Memphis is going to be mad after what happened the first time around, but Memphis has had reason to be mad all year. Uh, the way they've played, the way they've lost games. Penny Hardaway finally lost a little bit at a recent post game press conference. Uh, they were able to win a game. They knocked off Tulsa by two points. But uh, what what kind of game do you think we'll see Thursday night? Do the Pirates put together a better effort and? Gosh, the last three out of the last four games, you know, East Carolina has gotten behind by so much against Cincinnati, against Memphis, and of course uh, Houston. They were able to claw their way back uh, in two of those games and win one of them. But uh, can they can they keep it like under ten and, and make this a ball game? We played so many close games uh, in the non conference. We're starting to see scores kind of get out of hand, even when East Carolina had a big lead against UCF and then of course blew it. But I don't know what kind of game are you expecting on Thursday night. You know, we could talk about Memphis being pissed off or whatever, but ECU should be pissed off, man. Like, if you have any sort of pride about you, and you, you know, it's one thing to lose like that. It's another thing, you know, the game was on national television. I know the NFL playoffs were going on, but, like, that was the first nationally televised game of the year, and ECU played by far its worst game. And now, obviously, you got to credit Houston for some of that, but ECU just has to come out and just play with some intensity, man. They just look flat from the jump. Uh, at Houston, I don't know if, if it had anything to do with leaving a couple of days earlier than expected due to the snow or what, but you know you can't put back-to-back performances like that on national TV, and this is another ESPN2 game, granted a 9 p.m. tip-off, which is going to be 
miserable for me since that's about my bedtime these days. But, uh, I, you know, if ECU doesn't come out pissed off, then something's wrong. I mean, you have to have some pride after a game like that where you pretty much just got uh, slapped on national television in the face and people are laughing at you. If you, if you can't get back up from that, then that's disappointing. So I do think Memphis will be – ready to go after the last game, and they did have a big comeback win at Tulsa. I mean, there's been a lot of comeback wins, period, in the conference. So they were trailing by like 15 or 16 or something like that in the second half. But they were also out without their five-star center, Duran. They were still without Landers, Nolly, and DeAndre Williams, and they were without Jaden Hardaway. So I don't know what the status of those four guys is. If a couple of them are out, that's still even the playing field, somewhere like we saw last time. But, I mean, if you're an odds maker for this clip – I think the line is going to be at least double digits, probably somewhere in the 12, 13 range, but hmm. I guess even with Memphis playing bad. I was thinking like nine and a half, maybe maybe just getting to 10, but it could be more than that. How long uh, is Brandon Suggs out, Iga? I heard originally at least a few weeks, but it was good to see him on the trip and you know supporting his guys, and I couldn't tell – from the, the TV shot, if he was in a boot or not, but I would I would imagine if he's on the trip, it's not like he's going to be a out for the season type of deal or needing surgery or anything. So, um, but ankles and basketball or foot, whatever happened to him, leg. I mean, th- those are typically a deal where you're missing at least a few weeks minimum, a few games minimum. So I would I would be surprised if he's available for Thursday. The other thing that since probably nobody else watched the game after the first 10 minutes, J.J. Miles got re-injured huh. and um, had to go back out and look like he was pretty frustrated on the bench. So, I mean, you're looking at a scenario where you could be without both Suggs and Miles again. Has anybody uh, looked up the scores of the game since East Car- since uh, Braden Suggs went down with injury, Igo? Looking at the UCF and the Houston game combined? Because uh, it's going to be an interesting number. Only you would uh, would bring up such a point. Um, I think it's a great point to tote your tugboat. I mean, it is a. Uh, is it even your tugboat, by the way? Is it Chandler? Who is it? It is. It's mine. It's all mine. Okay, so Chandler comes up with the name, and you get the credit. Correct, because it was a thing. Look, it, the whole thing. It, it was a thing, and during a game in Minji's, uh, Chandler turned to me and said, "Hey, I won't back on the tugboat." So the Sugboat existed. It had just never been given a name. And then uh, Chandler, credit to him, came up with the name. Uh, we'll never get on the boat. Uh, as long uh, You will never get on the boat. Uh, all of you will never get on the boat. And you know why. Boat. Uh, and to be honest, you were, you were driving the Brandon Suggs bandwagon. Chandler drove the boat. So Chandler should be on the boat. You should be stuck on the bandwagon. My bandwagon has, it's like a dual purpose vehicle. It can float on water as well. <laughs> it can also sink based off some performances. Um, but, but uh, listen. Listen. Sucks, listen. Man, it's, a, it's a big deal because I feel like, to his credit, you know, he's not the most physical player in the world or anything like that, but he brings some intensity to the game. And, you know, he, he's a good perimeter defender, and obviously he does a lot all over the court, just a little bit of everything. And I just feel like, man, when he's not out there and when he's not playing well, even when he is out there, like the team just seems to be missing that glue. And uh, you got to have that glue guy. And when the glue guy is not on the court, it falls apart. And we've kind of seen that these past three games. 
Well said, Stephen. Stephen Iger, Hoist the Colors, joining us. Uh, talked a lot of ECU basketball to start this segment. Um, I was talk some uh, Pirate Baseball. You had your Hoist the Colors VIP chat yesterday. Uh, a great question, I thought, from uh, one of the board members there at Hoist the Colors. Uh, VIP members. He asked you, Stephen, why do we struggle with top-end pitching in Super Regionals? And uh, I thought that was a great question, Igo. Could you explain, because I can't come up with anything, why ECU would struggle against uh, two pitchers taken in the top five of the MLB draft? Yeah, you know, um, the way baseball works is when you when you throw 95 miles an hour and you can paint the corner, but not only paint the corner, but get six inches off the corner and drop a hammer of a breaking ball, uh, wipe out slider, and a change up every now and then. It's pretty difficult to hit. But um, nah, I don't think that's the read. I still can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it might be. It, it might just be ECU can't hit elite pitch. <laughs> most baseball teams can't hit elite pitch. Yeah, I think that's. I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. If nobody noticed. Uh, nobody's hitting those guys and it's rare when it happens and uh, i just found that kind of funny that you know frustrated pirate fan wondering why we can't hit you know lighter and rocker and those guys and that's you know the thing is and i'm not making excuses for ecu which has been bad and super regional play but you look at really the one year they had a realistic shot or the uh, i should say they had a shot every year but like they had a good matchup when they faced Texas Tech, and they probably should have won Super Regional. You know, Texas Tech is an offensively driven club. Right. They're not built on elite pitching, and ECU was probably just as good as them that weekend. They just didn't get the clutch hit in that second game, and they hit the first pitcher was pretty good. They just had some good bullpen arms that came in late and did a good job, whereas the other Super Regionals, especially three of the last four, North Carolina had Alex White. Um, they also had, I think, Austin Warren and uh, another, I think they had uh, Harvey. Um, so I mean, they they just had multiple big league starters, multiple first round arms. Then you had the uh, help me out here. The the most recent one we had obviously two first round arms and Lighter and Rocker, and then Louisville hmm. these two first round arms, yeah. Reed Detmers, and also their second guy. His name escapes me, but he was the first uh, first round pick as well. So you faced four consecutive first-round arms in Super Regional plays, and before that, two more. So six of your last eight, or I guess nine Super Regional games, you faced a first-round arm. So they've just gotten some bad matchups, and, and all of them have been on the road because ECU, for whatever reason, can't get a uh, Super Regional bid due to the way the committee ranks it. Oh, yeah, a couple things I heard Cliff Godwin say at Media Day on Monday. He likes to... Uh, he says the the home runs he might not have a, a guy hitting 15 home runs this year but uh he's gonna have more guys hitting five to ten home runs in the lineup he says one through nine also uh he likes the the speed of this team he said might be the deepest bullpen he's had so with all that being said what do you think like the strength of this east carolina 2022 team will be at least heading into the season i think it should be i think it should be kind of a chance on the mound to be as, as deep as they've ever been. I mean, they've been pretty deep the past few years, but a lot will depend on these young arms. They seem to have as much talent. you got a lot of guys throwing in the high 80s, low 90s as freshmen that ECU just hasn't really had a lot of in the past. You know, similar, in my opinion, to kind of what 
UNC has every year. They always have a talented recruiting class, and it's just a matter of how quickly can those guys uh, or, or teams at that level, how quickly can those guys adjust to the college game? Can they handle the pressure of it? And that's something we won't really know until the season starts. We know the top-end guys. And then you also got the guys coming back who have made a leap, whether it's Garrett Saylor, Nick Logish, um, you know, Josh Groves. So the pitching to me is, is I think ECU's got a chance to be very good on the mound. But you also have legitimate question marks there in terms of inexperience, new pitching coach. And then in the field, I think they're going to be really good defensively. Look, Cliff Goblin's teams are always going to hit. Uh, I don't think they're going to hit for as much power as last year. But you're going to see some guys step up, whether it's Josh Moylan, uh, Zach Agnos, um, I think Ryder Giles will have a better year at the plate. I think Alec Makarevich will end up hitting anywhere from 8 to 10 home runs. And uh, Riley Johnson's an outfitter that's got double-digit home run potential. If he plays a full season, Bryson Worrell, we've seen him do it before. So. What if Worrell reaches the potential we think he has, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like You asked me what are the strengths or what's going to be kind of the strength of this team. I, I, I think they're going to just be really good all around. I mean, I think they – just have a lot of talent. There's always a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere offensively, has a big year. You know, Bryson Worrell, I think there's some pressure off him this year because, like, we're not all saying, well, Bryson Worrell's got to hit yeah. an old lineup and carry the team so he can kind of just come back and be his own guy. So, I don't know. I just feel like we always have these questions and they're always answered. So, for me, it's almost to the point where, like, I don't even really have that many questions. It's just more about who's going to – fill these roles like i have faith in the program at this point that somebody's going to step up and they're going to be really damn good like they always are it's just a matter of who it's going to be looking forward to some pirate baseball in 2022 steven igo joining us on the pirate radio live line i go uh let's uh, anything else any ecu football news uh going on these days yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's always recruiting going on, and the coaches are out recruiting right now, and they're sending out a ton of scholarship offers. Uh, I think Blake Carroll's offered every player in the state of Georgia over the past uh, week, but not. Nah, Has this been uh, authorized? Uh, who was the guy that was uh, – <laughs> wasn't there a guy offering scholarships that was unauthorized to do so years ago? Or am I, am I getting that wrong? I, was it a running backs coach, I, maybe? Uh, I don't remember. I don't. I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. I think there was a uh, there was a situation where a coach was on the road and and he would. I think he offered somebody by mistake or something. Uh, All right. Anyway, moving on. I, I think. Anyways, there was a situation where uh, a player. This was like five or six years years ago. A player got emailed an offer from ECU and it turned out to be a fake oh man <laughs> fake one and I did an interview with them and I checked with the source I'm like is this an offer legit because this guy's got nothing going on and they're like no it's a fake email oh so like somebody scammed him like yeah somebody was sending out fake emails that dang East Carolina was offering you a scholarship and it turned out that it was fake that's brutal anyway so yeah not so. as good as the time that I was helping personnel decisions, but yeah, on uh, really one of ECU's worst defense ever. Stephen Igo responsible for that. Uh, I'll take the blame. I mean, <laughs> at least I can put it on my resume. <laughs> it's true. Uh, how about and and this is tough to say at this point. Igo, do you think everything is stable when it comes to coaches? I mean, obviously something could happen, but uh, do you think uh, 
you know who's here now will be here at the start of the season coaching wise you know it feels that way there's always a chance of a late change or something but you know there were some guys trip weaver latrell scott chris foster assistant coaches on the football side that i heard had some interest going on but ended up uh, returning obviously things can always change but it feels like most of the staffs after the coaching changes are now set what you're seeing now is the personnel department changes um, ECU is going to hire a new director of recruiting because Derek Miller left for Duke you're also going to see probably some other guys or people who hired in that de- that department to kind of further expand that with uh, the extra finances that Mike Houston now has to work with with his coaching staff um, and then there's always some GA turnover, graduate assistant turnover, because you can only be a GA at a certain school for so long. So I think those interviews are ongoing as well. But as far as the actual coaches, it feels pretty stable. And so I think you're going to see the staff stay the same. And now it's really – there's a lot of emphasis on the recruiting for 2023, but they're also having some visits this coming weekend for um, some guys are trying to get from the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of the portal, that answer could be different when it comes to players, right? You're going to have your off-season workouts and roll into spring ball and and guys start to see where they fit into the team and we could see some uh, subtractions and additions to the roster still before we get into uh, play this fall, right? I think definitely. I mean, you'll probably see definitely at least a couple more guys move on after spring because you know, there's just always another wave after spring ball because you have guys who expect to be in a certain place in the program and then they go through a spring practice and they realize, hey, instead of second on the depth chart, I'm fourth or fifth. Let me get out of here and try to go play somewhere else. So it's, there's going to be another wave. It's not just going to happen at ECU. It's going to happen to every program. It's part of college football now. You get the postseason wave kind of in December and January, and then you get the post-spring wave in April and May. And, you know, we'd still like to see the NCAA at some point come up with a time slot for when guys can enter the portal and make right. decisions so guys just aren't trickling all the time and it just being a never-ending thing. But, yeah, there will definitely be some more, and I think you'll see ECU go through spring ball, see what its needs are, see if, hey, is this third-year offensive lineman ready to step into a starting role or a backup role? If not, let's go get another offensive lineman or, you know, if that's receiver or whatnot or linebacker so i I think those are things that are kind of ongoing i go uh let's talk a little nfl before we let you go uh sportsbetting.ag on the odds of aaron Rodgers next destination uh where will aaron Rodgers be week one of the 2022 season the favorite uh is the denver broncos how uh how realistic do you think this is I think that he is the number one target and has been since last offseason. Remember when the whole Mark Schlereth put out a tweet that Aaron Rodgers traded to Denver confirmed? Um, <laughs> it just feels like Denver is going to – by the way, what, what a disaster that would turn out to be. got my hopes up for no reason. Um, it feels like Denver is going to do everything they can to get Rodgers. The other theory thrown around is they're going to try and hire Dan Quinn so he can get Russell Wilson because he used to be in Seattle, and they've got a good relationship. But I don't know, man. It's it's uh, it's interesting because Denver's top two candidates in coaching right now. you got Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator, who's in uh, doing an interview yesterday. And then you got Dan Quinn. And each of those guys are tied to either Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. So a lot of people are theorizing certain things. 
Uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition because everybody in the NFL is going to be after these two guys this offseason. And it remains to be seen if they'll actually depart from their current teams. I just hope it doesn't linger like all last season. It felt like it was a different Aaron Rodgers angle or storyline every single day of the uh, the NFL offseason. Well, whoever gets Rodgers or Wilson or one of these uh, veteran quarterbacks will probably – have a really good season and make a playoff run. We've seen it two years in a row now. The Bucks get Brady. Uh, they got a lot of veteran pieces around them. They win a Super Bowl. And this year, it's the Rams who kind of went the NBA super team route. And, you know, Matt Stafford had, had his issues in Detroit. But when you put, you know, Von Miller and Odell Beckham and all these superstars, they already had Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, looks like uh, the best receiver in the NFL right now. Uh, put all them together, they are hosting the NFC Championship with a chance to host the Super Bowl. And uh, I said it to you, I go after the Cardinals game that Von Miller looked like he was rejuvenated, and you kind of said you thought he was maybe just kind of bored playing out the string in Denver with not a lot of talent around him. But you put some guys around him, you you put some high state games in front of him. He looks like his old self right now. Yeah, man, he was he was crushing that the Buccaneers left tackle um, and he was crushing Tom Brady in the playoffs, which I love to see. I still remember when he single-handedly dominated that AFC championship game, the year they won the Super Bowl, that he also single-handedly dominated. Um, but I mean, you, it's just, how do you do it? How do you block Aaron Donald and Von Miller, two of the greatest pass rushers in NFL history on the same defensive line? You arguably have the top interior defensive pass rusher in NFL history and Donald and probably a top three defensive end outside linebacker edge rusher in NFL history and Von Miller. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. What do you do? Especially as the Bucks did, they kept falling behind. And let's be honest, you know, the only reason that the Bucks were even in the game was because of a Rams implosion. It wasn't even the Bucks really doing anything. The Rams were just imploding. And, and surprisingly, it wasn't Stafford. It was it was yeah. Acres fumbles. Even Cooper Cup had a bad fumble. Yeah, you had Acres fumble going in. Uh, you had Cup fumble. You had the snap the snap issue. Yeah, another Acres fumble. I mean, they tried to hand that game over on a silver platter. Um, but you know, kudos to them for making the play at the end to to find a way to win. And it's amazing each year in the NFL. It just feels like. You know, it used to be if you scored with under a minute to go, and the team, other team got the ball, like you felt pretty safe. But now it's like, obviously, 13 seconds is a little abnormal. But if you leave more than 30 seconds on the clock, like that's plenty of time for a team to get in the goal range at the end of regulation. I swear, when I grew up watching football, teams would score with like, uh, uh, like just inside the two minute warning before halftime and they'd kick off with like a minute 48 and teams would just take a knee and go to the locker room and now you can have two or three scores in that time span uh so it has changed if anybody can figure out how to move the ball against the rams well the niners have done it this year but kyle shanahan and it frustrates me as a Washington fan to have a, a good player like Terry McLaurin. Now, I don't, he's a, a Terry McLaurin's a better receiver than Debo Samuel. He's not a, as good of a football player than Debo Samuel. But the way Kyle Shanahan uses his best weapons and is so innovative 
and it's nothing it's not like rocket science he's just getting his guy the ball but it's amazing more teams don't do that i go i I mean debo needs a raise because he's playing two different positions and he's excelling at both but uh kudos to kyle shanahan and i'm interested to see how they use debo because outside of that kittle is really their only weapon and they don't have a great quarterback so for them to be in this position obviously says a lot about defense special teams but kyle shanahan man he's a uh he's a genius yeah, I was about to say it's it's you know you just have to give them a lot of credit because they're doing different stuff with them and you know that the other team's game plan is to try and take away Debo and Kittle and to be honest, I mean Jimmy G doesn't scare you at all. So if you do that, you feel pretty good. Obviously, if you don't screw up on special teams like the Packers did, but uh, no, nah, it's and it's interesting because it felt like they just started doing this in the playoffs, obviously, and now we'll see how the Rams adjust to it now that they got two weeks of tape but a great coach can always continue to evolve and kind of do some different things off of that maybe they sooner soon enough have a halfback pass for Debo off one of those pitch plays out of the backfield or something like that so uh curious to see that chess match especially between Shanahan and McVeigh. um but now Shanahan man he's doing more with less compared to the rest of the teams in this slot he's the only one that doesn't really have you know, that really good young first-round pick quarterback. And so the the way the NFL is going, though, you, you have to be creative offensively. Look at the four head coaches remaining in the uh, the playoffs right huh. now, and it's very offensively driven. So no matter what matchup we get, it should be a very good coaching matchup offensively <laughs> in the Super Bowl, although I'm pulling for Rams Chiefs. Yeah, i tell you who those coaches aren't. Old defensive dinosaurs like Vic Fangio and Ron Rivera. <laughs> yeah they are the complete opposite yeah so how about i, 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 I was gonna count i saw a, i saw a stat going into the Bengals raiders game about joe burrow in elimination games in high school college whatever and he was like eight no or whatever when they the, his team had to win and i guess you can tack on two more wins onto that uh nobody's really giving them a chance they beat the chiefs in the regular season in a wild one where J- jamar chase had over 200 yards receiving so uh, steven is it out of the realm uh, of your possibility that the cincinnati Bengals could be back in the super bowl for the first time in 30 plus years i think it's, i mean it's not impossible but i just don't think they're ready for this i i, I think this is a year too early for them you know usually there's that evolution of a young quarterback. You know, we see it so often. Look at Mahomes was the first time he made it deep into the playoffs. They lost to the Patriots uh, in the AFC Championship game, and then they've since gone on to make two straight Super Bowls, maybe a third. And so I think there's still that evolution. The Bengals are still a little too young. But um, And the other thing, too, man, their offensive line is horrendous. Uh, they they uh, yeah. only survived that for so long. Right. They, they had no business. Against, by the way, um, if your boy Tannehill wouldn't have played the worst game of his career, maybe, maybe uh, we wouldn't even talk about the Bengals right now. Rough week to be on the Tannehill bandwagon, I'll admit. Are you on the Tana boat? <laughs> <laughs> the Tana scooter has lost the wheel, Stephen. Yeah, well, maybe uh, maybe Tyrod can go there next year. <laughs> but uh, but not yeah. uh, you know. No, you're right. They're kind of living on the edge with the way they don't protect uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah. 
and uh it could all come crashing down this week i, I was thinking about it i'm like from a gambling perspective hey i'm just gonna take joe burrow props and have him over yards over attempts all that stuff and then i thought to myself well is he gonna finish the game because you know he's gonna keep taking these hits he's gonna have to leave the game eventually yeah he he's getting beat up and he got hurt last year with the same issue so you know to, to the Bengals' credit we all criticized when they drafted jamar chase and yeah i thought they should go o-line with that pick I mean, he's turned out to be a freaking stud. I know. So, uh, they, they got that one right, although they still need to draft some Bambo linemen now. But the problem with AFC as a Broncos fan is like, you know, unless they get Rodgers, I mean, when is Denver going to be relevant with Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, all these young quarterbacks in the league? It's just, it feels like every AFC championship game from here on out is going to be Mahomes and and Josh Allen. It felt like rooting for an Eastern Conference team during the LeBron days in Cleveland. Like, what's even the point of playing? And now, if you don't have a quarterback in the AFC, because you got Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, you still – Justin Herbert's good. I don't know about the Chargers themselves as a team, but there are so many young, talented QBs. You better you better stock up on somebody. I right, go. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping for Rodgers for another mini-run. Uh, although I do feel like this is payback for years of uh, torment teams with Elway and Manning, so yeah, you know it. It you give some out and then you take some. Just like I feel like it's coming to the the Steelers, and I think it's coming to the Packers here after years of. Uh, it's got to come to the Packers. It's disgusting that they've gone from Favre to Rogers. My entire football watching life. Yeah, they're due. They're due for a stinker, and the Steelers, I think, are are due as well. Although Tomlin. Always seems to find a way. I go, uh, we'll wrap it up. This is no surprise to you because this news came out like four hours ago. Uh, it's not like we're recording this at 154 and the news just broke or something. We already knew that. So this is not going to surprise you. But Sean Payton uh, earlier today informed the Saints that he's stepping away, according to Ian Rappaport. But we already knew that, right? Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's old news at this point. Crank up the coaching carousel once again. I like this because Peyton's probably not going to retire. He's going to go somewhere. The Saints are going to have to fill a spot. Let's crank this whole thing up again. I tell you what, I'm glad, and I hope that by the time this uh, that I say this, that the Broncos don't hire a coach. Yeah. In the next thirty seconds, but um, you know, scrap uh, Hackett and scrap Dan Quinn and give me Sean freaking Peyton. Peyton Rogers together, I go Broncos Super Bowl run. I would I would lose my mind. <laughs> move and um, you know there was a lot of talk about Doug Peterson being sought after. You know Sean Payton will definitely shoot to the top of that list. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And yeah, that's and then if you're the Saints, are the Saints about to enter another period of irrelevance? You lose. I think so. Coaches in football, and you lose Breeze. Obviously, last year. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean it's tough time to be a saints fan maybe and does jerry jones give mccarthy his walking papers and bring in peyton yeah does, does the cowboys try to bring in peyton if you're peyton you really want to go to the cowboys nah get to work with dak he's all right i don't know i don't know this is fascinating though because he just became the number one on the big board for teams without a coach so yeah three hours ago Three hours ago, correct. All right, uh, Igo, thanks for joining us, man. Anything to uh, plug your way? 
Uh, similar to you guys, we got a ton of the baseball media day coverage up. Um, I dropped all the audio on our latest podcast, and so check that out. Awesome stuff. First class event every year. Um, no Ronnie this year. So oh, that's weird. Carry the question. Yeah. And I felt bad asking Zach Agnos about his father passing early this offseason, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. And so I checked with Cliff and Malcolm and Zach before just to make sure he was he was comfortable talking about him. Yeah. It's a tragic situation, but you got to love the fact that the family in that locker room is truly a family, and they all kind of pick each other up. So working on a story about that, obviously, and kind of the tragedy involved there. But Zach will, will obviously be playing with a a, uh, a heavy heart this year for the Pirates. Yeah, and just like you said, awesome to see his teammates, coaches, and the Pirate Nation rally around the, the Agnos family because they are part of the, uh, the Pirate family. Steven, thanks for joining us, man. We will uh, talk to you again next week. All right, Cliff. Appreciate it. Steven Igo, Hoist the Colors, joining us today on Pirate Radio Live. We'll take a timeout when we return. I am prepared to offer an invitation onto the Sugboat to one lucky man. So there's a clue. It is a male. When we return. Which sucks because I'm the one that's actually wearing a shirt that says I'm on a boat. <laughs> How ironic is that? It will not be surely invited. Will this person. So there's another clue. It is a human man. Will this human man, Homo sapien, accept the invite onto the Sugboat? We'll find out after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Quality Equipment is your full-service John Deere dealer with 28 locations to serve you. Quality Equipment is open in Winterville next to Sam's Club or you can visit qualityequip.com to find the location near you. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here is your host, Clip Rock. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Tuesday. Thanks, Stephen Igo, for joining us during that conversation. And previously this week, I've asked if anybody felt like doing some extra credit work and looking up the stat on uh, the points ECU has been outscored since Brandon Suggs left the UCF game due to injury and CJ Schaefer decided to do the legwork. I did not ask him personally. He out of the blue, he told me he had the numbers ready. East Carolina has been outscored 133 to 66 since Brandon Suggs went out of the game against UCF with an injury. That is just an unbiased, unemotional non-opinion that is fact that is a stat and i have no commentary on it or anything just throwing it out there now with that being said it is time to invite another rider onto the sug boat as i look to my right i told you it was a man so that's surely you're out 
uh chandler there definitely not him uh cj come in uh come join me here in the pirate radio studios for a moment cj welcome you uh doing a great job here at pirate radio <laughs> um you can't you you did this i didn't ask you to do this thank you for for uh going over the numbers crunching the numbers it's the least i could do <laughs> and i thought that's the kind of work ethic foresight spirit we want on the sug boat moving forward <laughs> and i have not i have not offered any uh you know any extensions uh to folks to come aboard the boat but i feel like today is a good day maybe it could turn the mojo around for ecu basketball if we start adding more people to the boat so i want to ask you cj are you willing to take this journey with me and come aboard the sugboat so semi long-winded response you said uh this would be an unemotional stat with no bias or favoritism or opinion so because you're not doing the opinion and unemotional stats i'll do it for you there's a glue guy on this team and his name is brandon suggs Sug, sug. and with that being said i accept warms my heart to hear you say that uh you see the light you see the truth you understand what it is all about uh cj we're uh we are going to welcome you aboard if you could please place your right hand on the ecu basketball media guide absolutely and raise your left hand absolutely uh and repeat after me (laughs) i cj schaefer i cj schaefer (laughs) (laughs) will promise to always will promise to always i'm coming up with this on the fly i'm coming up with this on the fly Honor Brandon Suggs. Honor Brandon Suggs. Tell the world how great Brandon Suggs is. Tell the world how great Brandon Suggs is. Chastise anyone who does not believe in Brandon Suggs. Chastise anyone who doesn't believe in Brandon Suggs. We'll never have a negative thought about Brandon Suggs. We'll never have a negative thought about Brandon Suggs. And we'll always go by the standards of the Suggboat Code of Conduct. And we'll always go... By the, what did you say <laughs> always go by the standards always go by the standards of the brandon suggs code of conduct, code of conduct. okay got it sug boat code sug of boat that was a bit shaky it was also a bit shaky when i invited you uh told you i was going to give you an invitation and you went choo-choo that gave me pause but i had already extended the offer i did not want to pull it back uh but hey welcome it feels good. Let's do uh, good. the Brandon Suggs Suggboat handshake. We pop it. We pop it. Lock right. it. And then Sug Sug. Sug Sug. There you go. Some sug Sug. Something going on to your right. Well, as a non-biased uh, Chandler Iercourse not on the boat, what do you think of me adding CJ to the Sugboat today? He's ready to commit violence <laughs> at this point. <laughs> well, he doesn't care. He said he didn't want to be on the boat. He doesn't care. He's non-biased. I don't, I don't care. He's non-biased um, about it. I just I didn't know you were looking for a stat. <laughs> well, I've re- stat to consider. I've said it several times. Um, not to CJ, just on the air. Maybe in passing. You asked it yesterday. I asked it yesterday. I think I even said it with Igo today. So it's just, you know, 
He did a good job. He's a good listener and listens to what happens on the show. And, and look, Chandler, you're the manler. You're Chandler the manler. But you do struggle sometimes with hearing what has been said on the show. <laughs> that is not your strength. That is a fact. Chandler, what time is that in Toronto right now? <laughs> well, that ain't it. <laughs> All right. Well, Chandler still outranks you, so you're not allowed to throw stones at Chandler. Yeah. I throw stones at everybody. Unless you're on the sug boat, and then everybody's <laughs> free game. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, welcome. We will be partying in the dining hall tonight at 8 o'clock. Oh, cool. Yeah, and be there. in about mm, three or four months, everybody will forget what the sug boat even was. So, congrats. Again, that Ooh. is why he'll never be on the Ooh. sug boat. I was told to chastise people who slander brandon that is true yeah go ahead i didn't slander brandon suggs yes you did i just i said it would be forgotten we don't forget things like you do we don't (laughs) there will be this will be forgotten by who literally everybody not the not the members of the sugboat i will never let people forget never i'm gonna go up to john moody one day i'm gonna say do you remember being on the sugboat he's gonna go of course he will hashtag never there's a water slide on the sugboat Whoops. We just installed it for our new member. We asked our new members, what would you like added to the Sugboat? Because they listen. He said, water slide. What else did you say? Uh, a new a new deck with like open area for tanning. Okay, that was a strange mm, request. Yeah, I, you put me on the spot. I don't know. <laughs> I did add a breakfast uh, buffet. Okay. Love, love a breakfast buffet. All right, this is what we need to turn it around. Pirates need to come out and look like an actual basketball team on Thursday. Unfortunately, Brandon Suggs will not be there. By the way, I found this. How many players could you name from this uh, the cover of the 1920 East Carolina basketball fact book? Oh, Lord. 1920? As in 2019. Oh, okay. I just wanted to There's clarify. Some- few familiar faces on there there's a few and there's a lot that are long gone there's charles coleman let's take a time out we'll come back we'll wrap up today's edition of pirate radio live we are back with you after this You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Taking a quick look at your stock market report, the Dow was down 66 points at 34,297. The NASDAQ was down 315 points at 13,539. And the S&P fell 53 points and closed at 4,356. That's your Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Report. For a personal look into investing, call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC, member SIPC. Now let's head back into the show. Here's Cliff. Alrighty, thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Pirate Radio Live. We're back with you Wednesday with the voice Jeff Charles. We'll uh, we'll have an awesome interview, Chandler, with Brett Kennedy. It's gonna be awesome. He likes saying awesome, it's, and that was awesome. And the Chiefs' win was awesome because he's a and Kansas, that was awesome. He's a Kansas City fan, and uh, he'll be live in the Pirate Radio studios with us coming up on Wednesday. Also, a couple of former Pirates. 
Bryce Williams and Chip Thompson. We'll talk to the tight end and the safety. Chip is a Niners fan. He's also an avid outdoorsman. So we'll go Pirate Radio Outdoors with Bryce and Chip coming up on Wednesday's edition of Pirate Radio Live. That and a lot more on the way coming up on Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in today for Shirley Rhodes, Chandler Honeycutt, CJ Schaefer, and the crew here. I'm Cliff Brock. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.